Для тех, кто смотрит, будет смотреть эту информацию. Господин Турчинов, господин Яценюк, господин Тегнебок и же с ними. Я это заявляю открыто и достоверно знаю, что это проплаченные агенты Центрального разведуправления США. Ведь мало кто знает, что основной беспредел творил господин Ахметов, Ренат Леонидович, господин Коломойский, глава Всемирного Еврейского Конгресса, господин Фирташ и же с ними. Все вот эти олигархи. А теперь это Просто прямая оккупация Соединенными Штатами Украины через подставных лиц. concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Monday, March 28th, 2021, 2-3-4. What am I getting confused on the date all of a sudden? I was going to say 2020, 2022. <laughs> there, there we are. Welcome. Great show for you today. I'm really excited about this topic specifically because this Klamoyski individual that we discussed recently, I, I, I've It's funny enough, somebody sent me a very short video, and it, this is how this entire discuss, this, this entire topic has gone, Ukraine specifically, since this has really begun February 25th forward, even though it goes way before that, is it just, and, and really it does overlap with COVID-19, whether that's the psychosis or whatever we're talking about, where we've, it's been really interesting how the, what we're pointing at is on the record, like things that they've been discussing right up until 2021 or like the, the beginning of 2022. And then they just change the narrative. And we're like, this is this is BBC saying exactly what they say is fake news right here, like a year ago. It's really interesting. Somebody sent me a video from Radio Free Europe about the oligarchy tied to Zelensky. And it's really interesting to see what they talk about. And these are the very same people, by the way, that they're now the, the conversation has shifted. Despite the fact that right, it's a stone's throw away. That they were just saying this sort of like the Azov Battalion discussion, that they're very dangerous and, and infiltrated and, and we need to do something about that right up until suddenly they're quiet. And now, well, it's not it's actually started off by completely fake. Then moments later was, no, it's sort of real. But here's why Putin isn't serious about it. And now it seems as if they've just jumped over all of that and are using them as a source right now. Sean Hannity, BBC, all of them. Brazenly, right in the corner. Azov Italian provided the video. I can't even believe that's. I mean, this is a point at which we can prove that they knew this and now are pretending like it suddenly either shifted, something changed within a matter of days, whatever. You can add whatever narrative you want. They just pretend like it didn't matter or it doesn't matter now, even though it meant everything then. So we're going to talk about Klamoyski today, Kolomoyski, however the pronunciation goes. I've heard it pronounced a couple of different ways in regard to how he is a primary, if not the primary funder, backer, creator of Zelensky, because he was the person who owns the One Plus One TV station 
who don't forget Zelensky was also involved with in, in you know ownership of and ultimately ended up bringing the entire leadership from the TV station to be his cabinet as the president. And that's not a joke. People would dismiss that as fake news in the in the corp, main, mainstream corporate circles because that just seems ridiculous. Because it is ridiculous, but it's very real. And you can even find it listed on Wikipedia, which of course is not something you should take at face value. It simply means mass adoption. But how can you make sense of that? A person who literally became famous by playing the president on TV, later becomes the president, and then brings over the TV station crew to be his cabinet? I mean, it's of course, it's broadened out from there. And the point is, Kolomoisky is the person who is a was the owner of this and the primary backer of Zelensky and ultimately, or one of the leaders, and ultimately is... is kind of shuffled off the stage as a as a bad guy. And we're going to get into what that could have mean meant and why that happened. I honestly think it's because of the way this has been planned and because you need, and of course, at the beginning, it was meant to, you wanted this character to be involved, if this is how I perceive it, if how I perceive it is correct, whether that's Paul Moisky or anybody else we're talking about, even the A's of Italian, right? They want you to see that they're bad and that they're there but they don't want you to see the CIA fingerprints all over it. So once you do see that, then they got to shuffle them out of the way and say, no, no, now we're not involved. But interesting is the main point is, Kolomoski, if you remember our recent shows, he's also a primary funder of the Azov Battalion. So how is it how is it possible that you can differentiate these things and act like, no, he's Jewish, he's not connected to these terrible things, simultaneously sort of pretending like they're not that terrible, like they're different now, even though like a day ago they were saying they were bad. It's It's... They're drowning in their own lies, it seems. But him being connected to that is very, very relevant because this is a psychological operation in most ways I can see right now. Now, we're also going to go over the fake information that's coming out. Now, in no way am I suggesting it's only coming from the Ukrainian government. But what I am pointing out isn't the only situation in this kind of in this context that I can see that's happened. The only example of this kind of thing happening right now is, is just an, a waterfall of verifiable false information. Again, not to suggest that there's not also fake information coming from any other government involved, and I have no doubt about that. And in fact, I've already shown you some from Russia's side or however you want to talk about this. But right now, we are seeing a coordinated effort by Western press to just blindly report anything coming from the Ukrainian government. And it's not even being hidden now. They've even admitted, well, we don't really know how to confirm what's actually going on on the ground. Well, I could give you a lot of different ways, the way we're doing it, the way that these independent journalists are doing it. But, you know, corporate press, they've got the answers. So we're just going to blindly report what Ukraine's government says. And we'll ignore in that context that they are very clearly tied to these openly authoritarian, openly white supremacist, openly neo-Nazi groups. Yeah, but that doesn't matter because we're kind of hiding that right now. And yet here they are reporting it. And that's not just the story that they're reporting it, but that they're verifiably shown to be false. Not all of it, not everything, but a hell of a lot of it. And they don't even address it. They don't come back and go, oh, this was shown to be false. They just point hypothetically at what Russia says, what they're doing, propaganda, fake news, however they want to frame it. So I'm going to go through this today and expose it yet again and show you what's going on is a lot of this kind of tends to be redundant because they just keep pushing it back down. Oh, and of course, we're going to talk about the gigantic breaking news story about Will Smith slapping Chris Rock, because that's what everybody's talking about, right? That's what everybody wants to hear about. I just, it's these things, whether they're real, fake, staged, or just whatever's going on, it's the media's focus on it that ultimately matters. And it's, oh my God, look at what just happened. That means nothing to anybody anywhere. You know, maybe the four people that actually watch that on TV, maybe they care about it, but you know. But let's jump into a couple opening points here. 
because I'm not going to talk about COVID-19 today. I will soon just because it's very, very important. And honestly, these are one and the same guys, not necessarily the, the on the surface discussion of COVID-19 and the on the surface conversation of Ukraine, but the larger things happening behind all of it are very, very interconnected. Now, as I said in this tweet, just to kind of just again, there's only four or five points I want to say for COVID. and I'll do this quickly. Experts say masks are safe and effective in helping prevent the spread of COVID. Now, if you want to know why, in some degree, some level, I'm kind of like getting frustrated about feeling like I have to go. Like this almost made me upset. I'm like, do I really need to go back in and go over it? Not for you guys. I know you all see this, but do I really need to do a show on masks again? Like, really? I can't even believe we're here again. Like, I know they kind of pretended to shift from cloth mask to no, and now the other ones were. No, they don't. They still don't. They never did. They're not statistically significant against transmission. Their own peer-reviewed science says that, but whatever, we're back here doing this again. Experts say, says Twitter, with no source material, that's great and the great stuff. As I said, so so after the uh, look over there, Ukraine coverage, which, by the way, is not to say that it's only that, but that is part of it, for a month now, now they're just pivoting quietly back, in part, to the co- to the a COVID focus. Damn it! <laughs> I, I swear I I do I, I read these. I don't know how I keep missing these. My typos for the podcast is what I'm mad about. They are now literally acting like none of what they were forced to admit over the last few months and more than that even took place. Like this completely gone. It just doesn't even matter. Different entire countries finding out that the lies about children hospitalizations or that masks were or, or fake news propaganda campaigns to scare you because they knew that or because of the dangers of the vaccine or because they're hurting people. All of this stuff. I mean, there's just one after the other bombshell after bombshell. Nothing. Look at Ukraine. Now we're back at the same point, right? <laughs> Apparently, that's what they think. And I don't think this is going to work well for them because I really do not believe most people buy this stuff right now. But as uh Kieran JP points out, two plus years into the COVID pandemic, quote, pandemic, and the supposed center of the outbreak, China, or so we're told that they pointed at that right out of the gate. So we're supposed to assume that's where it began. I really still don't believe that, have only recorded 4,600 deaths. In fact, only six deaths have occurred since April 2020. Here's your links. You can check it out for yourself. You know, of course, from the Western press, especially in the in the midst of your anti-China rhetoric in the beginning of this, we've just shifted over into Russia for the most part, is that, well, they lie. Of course, they lie. We know they lie. So that's a lie. <laughs> oh, did we prove that? Nah, who cares? China said it must be fake. Right. Same thing's happening now. Oh, do we prove that Russia lied about? No, no. They just said Russia said it. Therefore, it must be fake. Right. Oh, did Ukraine say something? Did we prove it was true? No, no. Ukraine said it. So it must be true. Right. That's where we are in the our fake reality that is the mainstream society. It's not real. I don't believe most people buy it. That's my opinion. But my point is that is the same thing. So why don't we ask whether that's really what's going on? Why don't we ask whether there are a, a dramatic discrepancy is between these the death counts there or here or other place in the world or Sweden and everywhere else? Nah, because that would take actual concern. That would require us to actually care about the facts. And they, us, I mean them, I'm obviously being facetious. My point is that's ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, this stuff is just that ridiculous. Get ready for the most ridiculous part of all of it. Jabulous, the sun calls it. No deaths, they say, no, zero, no deaths linked to Pfizer and Moderna jabs. I swear this is not the Babylon Bee. This is literally what they are now pushing right now with everything that's come out. 
I mean, for, for crying out loud, even Vayers or even their own reporting systems, even they have openly admitted on the record to people that have gotten myocarditis and died or people that have gotten the shot and died in the same room that they got the shot in over and over and over. These things have been on the record. But of course, they then go, well, he died from myocarditis, not from the shot. And we can't prove whatever they want to do. So all that does is boils down to zero. Zero. Can you believe that? Zero. Not a single person anywhere in the history of this injection has died, not a single one of them, if it was Moderna or Pfizer, despite the endless list on Bayer's or the 20,000, 30,000 plus reports that we don't even care to look at. No, none, zero. Great study. That's the bastardization of science that we're looking at today, where they pay someone to find what they want to find, and it happens everywhere. Like, and for those that balk at me saying that, that's been here long before COVID-19 land, and scientists would tell you that. This is very influenced by politics. Regardless, guys, I can't believe they have the right. They feel like they can say something like that right now. We'll go back into that, of course, when we go more into COVID. As Thomas Massey points out, did Omicron come from a lab too? Well, gee, where have you heard that before? Well, every time we talk about it on this show, because that seems like what ultimately happened. My opinion, scientists have identified 45 point mutations that Omicron acquired since divergence from the B11 lineage. The mutations represent what some consider to be an implausibly high number of changes for natural evolution. Yeah, and see, that's one of those things, and it doesn't mean it has to be. It's implausible, but still possible, right? The point is that nobody will ever care to look, so that it just becomes fake. That's the way we are today in the, in the Western society, the, 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 the mainstream society around all of this, right? They, you're not allowed to ask these questions. We point at that. That's a valid question. Other experts say we should dig into this because it suggests that it's not likely natural. And they go, well, fake news because you're a conspiracy theorist and we don't even look at it again. So is it fake because we never chose to look into it? Sort of like Vayers? Yeah, well, according to them, it certainly is. My point, though, is there's a lot of these kind of data points popping up that we just pretend aren't there. They, I should keep saying. But the reality is, guys, I keep pointing at this. And Ben Swan and his great research, and by the way, we just talked to him, and we talked about this specifically, my recent interview with Ben Swan from the 25th, Ukraine Biolabs may have been creating bioweapons. Now, this is his exclusive research that he found in regard to previous interviews, as well as documentation that literally showed exactly what we're talking about, not only of diplomatic immunity in regard to a mission that people in Ukraine were pointing out before all of this, but kind of the point that I recognize around Omicron. That I do think is connected. The Botswana government, which, by the way, they never point out. Oh, it started in South Africa, did it? We all know that's not true. This was this was public information when this started. Botswana spoke up first. They found the new thing. Then it went to South Africa. But yet, for whatever reason, the Western press only focuses on South Africa. Talk about a glaring omission. You know why I think they're doing that? Because there's something weird about how this started in Botswana, where the Botswana government pointed out this new virus was detected on four foreign nationals who entered Botswana on the 7th of November on a diplomatic mission. Can you even wrap your mind around a reality in which this happens and nobody cares to find out who these people were, where they came from, and what they brought with them? Seriously? This only happens in a reality where I think there's something far more nefarious happening right underneath the surface. Anybody, a police officer, an investigative journalist, anybody would be like, well, well, what did they do? Where'd they come from? What were their names? What did they have on them? Were they sick? Did they have, did they wash their hands? I mean, come on. Nope. It dropped the moment they said this and nobody ever picked it up again because all the Western journalists and the Wayne stream are so good at their jobs. Guys, 
obviously something weird about this. But the point is that this is exactly what Thomas Massey is now pointing at. We need to ask these questions. And then we ask whether, as Bill Gates put it, is this literally just the vaccine or the, you know, Omicron, the vaccine, as he called it himself, or the self-spreading that they were testing on the people. These are all valid concerns with what we know is being researched. For those that may be just listening on the side right now, or people that are here because they want to troll, thinking, oh, this is just fake news, they're ignorant because of the openly peer-reviewed science that literally discusses these exact topics. Human-to-human self-spreading vaccines that Johns Hopkins is currently working on. But yeah, it's all fake news because you're too ignorant to do your research, right? Is that how it goes? But bringing this over into the starting point, I wanted to make sure we talked about those. Yemen is obviously something that's on my mind, as well as Robert in Lakesh, because it's disgusting that these things are being ignored. Anybody out there that is right now screaming about how we need to stand with Ukraine and got their flags and their social media posts and doesn't even momentarily speak about you, Yemen or, or point out that's also a problem or basically acknowledge that your government is doing far, 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 far worse in Yemen and Syria and, and everywhere else you point that, then you're a hypocrite. And you know that too, because these things are on the record. While all eyes are on Ukraine, American and British bombs are being dropped right now on Yemen's capital of Sana'a, a, a gigantic civilian location. Is that, is that a crime? Are we, are we calling for war crimes against Saudi Arabia and the United States? Are we, are we, I mean, not, nothing you could point at they're screaming about around Russia, which, by the way, I'm not even suggesting is unjustified. I do think differently, but I'm not even saying that in this context. My opinions, you know from previous shows, and I'll get into it in a minute. The point in this context is that this also matters. So if you're only pointing at one, why? It's a valid question. Where are the calls for sanctions? Where is the global outrage? Right? Nobody seems to care. Now, here's a Washington Post article, interestingly, from 2014, you know, right when the, the illegal U.S.-backed regime change took place in Ukraine. It's one of the most obvious and open and embarrassingly open regime changes in the history of this country and the world, I would argue. that Everybody can see, if they're honest with themselves, as the open, on-the-record information that they try to hide from you is that they knew that it was the U.S.-backed people shooting people in that square, in the Maidan Square, and not the people they flamed it, framed it as, sort of like with Syria. I can play that clip again, but... The people who don't want to hear it at this point don't want to hear it. The Estonian member of parliament openly acknowledging this with a Europe member of European parliament saying, look, we know that they did this. And they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on the record, guys. Or Victoria Newland, who's also interestingly tied in with the Biolab discussion today, is on the record in 2014 discussing who they're going to put in power. You know, democracy. But yeah, let's pretend like none of that matters. 2014. In the long run, the Washington Post says, wars make us safer and richer. <laughs> Talk about war propaganda. Like if you ever wanted a better example of why the Washington Post is not actually fighting for truth and and you you or whatever you want to look at, it's right in front of you. Not only is that insanely false, of course, you know what it is? It is true. If you're talking about the oligarchy or the people in power, the authority or the authoritarian control structure, yeah, not us though. They don't make us safer and richer. They make you guys safer and richer. And that's what they're talking about as the Washington Post because they're part of that. It makes us safer and richer. You're right. Let's say they want you to think it's talking about you. What this does in every, and look, even if you believe they meant to make it safer and richer, look at what's happened to our history. Look, just the war on supposedly war on terror. It made more t- put terror, whatever. I mean, I hate even using these broad ideas and terms of terror. It made the thing they claim they were fighting much, much more prominent, much more. And they've admitted this stuff and also took a lot of money out of your pocket. Put it in their pockets, though, didn't it? It made them safer, didn't it? Right? That's the point. Can you believe this is how they frame this? April 15th, 25th, 2014. 
Now, there's a couple of great articles that Robert just put up that I want you to check out. First one, the West tries to hide the war in Yemen, but fails. And I believe they are failing, 100%. As well as after, and we just mentioned this, by the way, after the, uh, the Aramco attacks, we can no longer ignore Yemen's suffering. Now, right, what he points out in this one is interesting, is that right now, you know, they're being starved to death. They're being attacked. They're being, war crimes being committed against their families. And so the Houthis and the, the Ansar movement, or also known as the Houthis, are fighting back. Right. I mean, this is very simple and it's a popular uprising. I can get into the politics of all of this. They're going to call Iran as simple as that, as they always do. But the point is simply this. They are fighting to make a point. Right. Two things that are important to recognize here. They bombed an area in the Aramco facilities that in just the action of it, whether it even really did damage, which did increase the oil price, which increased your gas price. But all of this is being caused by U.S. occupation, U.S. war crimes or Saudi war crimes, but the past of the U.S. government, all of this leading to your suffering, which they blame on somebody else. The bottom line, though, is that why didn't they lose their minds like they did the last time that happened? I made this point the other day. Right. Remember the last time they bombed this location, they all they did was blame Iran. I said, no, it wasn't the Houthis. It was totally Iran, which remember that old lie? <laughs> Clearly, it's the Houthis. We can see that today and they've admitted that today. So I, it's fun to point out how they knowingly lied back then and never followed back up and said, yeah, we were wrong, which is what happens every single time. I shouldn't say every time, but they're attacking this gigantic location, which affects oil prices around the world. And they didn't even talk about it. Wasn't that the biggest threat to our democracy last time it happened? Isn't that strange? Well, because there's other things going on and they don't want to split your attention between something else. This right here is the Houthis making a big statement to get your attention because they're suffering, sort of the way the Palestinians continue to do this. Take the ire of the Israeli government and the bombs of the Israeli government just so you pay attention to their strife. It's pretty sad. Now, TikTok, of course, is censoring us and stars fantastic clips because... We're talking about things they don't want us talking about, which is always how this goes. But check this out. This is the most despicable one I've seen. They're dishonestly censoring discussion of the Yemen crisis as harassment or bullying. Can you can you square that? How despicable, how cowardly, as I said, absolutely villainous. You are literally telling us that we're bullying and harassing by pointing out that these governments are murdering people in Yemen. Gross. I mean, that just makes me sick. TikTok is disgusting like the rest of them are if they're willing to do this. I mean, right now I know that we're being actively censored. I've just, I know that SuperU is being censored right now on TikTok for doing nothing other than pointing out that people are being censored. Yeah, exactly. Don't you love that? This is the way the world is working right now. And as 12 years a Jamaican points out, seeing as how nobody's paying attention to what's happening in Yemen, he goes, here, let's try this instead, right? Here, let's just cross out Saudi Arabia, right Russia, cross out Yemen and right Ukraine, and let's watch the world lose its mind, right? Why would one matter and not the other? It's such an obvious in-your-face example. If you don't care, you're a hypocrite. And you don't really care about human suffering if you're only picking one because it's politically advantageous. That's the grossest thing out there right now. Now, here is somebody pointing out what's really going on in Yemen. Now, somebody I'm just thinking about I should connect with again is, is uh, Hussein al-Bukhadi, who I haven't talked with in a while. I hope he's doing well. I have multiple inter interviews with him back, back when I was, there was more of a focus, at least for T-Lab, on Yemen. He's, he's been fighting for you. He's the one exposing what's going on on the ground along with a lot of people and putting his life in danger. This is an individual on the ground showing you eight family members, all women and children, except one man were killed in, at dawn when the Saudi airstrikes attacked their homes in Hadda, capital Sanaa, a civilian area. Can you believe, I mean, th this is easy to verify, guys. Nobody cares. All they say is, well, Iran or 
whatever. I mean, no one even gives an excuse anymore. Four others were seriously wounded. The photo shows what's left, if any, of their homes. Can you imagine if the Ukraine simply said this happened in, in right now, just spoke out and said this happened just now? Every Western press would post it right now. Nobody cares about Yemen. It should make you sick. Here's another airstrike by Saudi UAE. We reportedly hit the port of Hodeida, right? The port which, in, through which about 90% of their food and everything else comes through. But yeah, nobody cares. Just keep let these people suffering because we only care about the certain kind of people or the certain political situations that they want us to point at. As Jonathan Cook points out, how do serious newspapers, and I, he puts it in quotes, which I agree with, I don't, I don't think they're serious, neither does he, I think, but the point is they call themselves that, so serious newspapers, like The Guardian, expect to be taken seriously when they simply regurgitate U.S. officials' self-serving accusations against Russia of war crimes in Ukraine without prominently noting that the U.S. committed identical war crimes in Iraq. Like, that point is the same whether or not you think Russia's committing these crimes. Think about how gross it is to only care about one side of it. That means you don't care about the crimes. You don't care about the human suffering. You only care about it insofar as it's politically advantageous for you because you're gross. That's how that this is the only way I can say, or you're willing to lie to yourself because you want to be on the right side, which makes you willfully ignorant. And guys, again, my point in that is not to suggest one versus the other. Just for the sake of conversation, let's say for sure both sides are doing it. Why only one matters to you is similarly, it is disgusting. As Richard Medhurst points out, as we transition into the open lies being being fed to you by the Western press at the behest of the Ukraine government, which is just incredible to me. Now, this is a tweet from the National Guard of Ukraine, which is the Azov Battalion, an openly white supremacist neo-Nazi outfit that has been there since the beginning of the regime change that has been completely funded and armed and expanded throughout leadership positions, throughout the National Guard, throughout the police force. All this has been proven and easily shown, even by Western press right up until this started. Then they just started saying something different. As he says, they deleted it, of course, because it's really stupid and they realized they went too far. The Ukrainian government actually posted this picture, acting like Ukraine has been bombed more than Syria. Why? Because they thought this, I mean, I'm not even sure why they thought this lie was too much and pulled it back. This is the, this is about the level of the same the lies we're seeing from every aspect of this. As he says, it's not only despicable, but a flat out lie. Look at this picture. Syria, five years, a hundred missiles. That's really what they they claimed. Ukraine, in 22 days, 1,100 missiles. Oh, by the way, none of those missiles, I'm not saying that they didn't do this. There's missiles flying all over. The question is whether it is that many missiles, because there's no way to verify that. On top of that is where they were landing. Were they landing on military installations? Were they landing in civilian locations? And that matters. All we have to go by is what the Ukraine government is saying unless you're looking at independent sources on the ground that nobody seemed to be paying attention to outside of the Western press. Or inside, excuse me, inside the Western press. Which, why would that be? Right? If it's all fake, wouldn't you care to prove that? Not in the current situation of the Western press today. Now, let's start with something I found really interesting. Talking about things like the, the partisanship, the partisan mania that we have in this country about how, you know, Trump's crowds and only oh, this many people and that many people, it's fake news and all this stuff, right? This is, it's everybody. It was Trump's lies. It was Biden's lies. It was Obama's lies. It was Bush's lies. They all lie. They always, always lie to you. Guys, this is what they do. It's, it's politics, guys. I mean, we know this. Outside of the fervor of right now, we could look at any, if you point back to administ administrations or let's just say like a, an election from 20 years ago, 
people could openly discuss, yeah, they lied about that and they were deceiving this and they tried to, you know, swindle people here. We, we, we know this, the joke of how do you know a politician's lying? Their lips are moving. <laughs> we all know these things. But yet when we get all invested in one side or the other in the moment, we fail to pick. My point is simply this. This is a speech from Biden that was parroted as some kind of monumental speech that's going to change everything, which is always what they do. But you'll find out something interesting here. Turns out there was really nobody there. Doesn't that seem rare? Doesn't that seem strange, especially for the way that they were presenting all of this? Well, let's take a look at this first. Actually, I don't even need to play it up on the screen. Let's just watch it right here. This person's there saying it's pretty empty here. You can hear Biden speaking in the background. So basically, she's saying that you got the Polish government and, you know, a few people. It's hard to tell how many, but I mean, even if this is hundreds, this is dramatically the way that they frame this and the way that they showed their picture, right, as they put as it points his claims from a different angle. And this is not meant to be partisan point because, again, Trump did the same thing. Oh, they all do this, but they're deceiving you. They want you to think this was some paramount, monumental statement. Of course, remember, this is the statement, this the speech in which he said that Putin can't be in power anymore. And then, of course, they roll that back, which I think was entirely the point. Or maybe Biden just being his, as Whitney Webb calls him, his uh, mush brain president, or I think ice cream brain president. Certainly possible. But regardless, what they said was that a lot of flagrant things that were then rolled back. Right. So you can act like so you can say them, you can get people upset, you can poke the bear and then act like we didn't even do it, though. And you're misunderstanding because you're a partisan or a conspiracy theorist. However, they do this. Yeah, I mean, guys, that, that's like three levels because there's a state there's a big because they don't let you go right up to the front right next to biden right that's like i mean it doesn't even matter it's it's very few it's a small amount of people in compared to what they wanted you to think was actually happening that's a very small point right but i just want to start on something like that to show you that in every possible angle in every situation they try to manage it and we know this though right if it if you're out there think, saying i'm making this up because you're a biden supporter just insert trump into your mind and suddenly it all makes sense right now ask yourself why that makes sense because you only choose to look at these things from one certain angle because partisanship has melted your brain but here is an interesting point this is this is my tweet about what he said now here's what the actual article is or before they changed it for the third time, Biden calls for regime change in Russia. That's CNN saying that. You know why? Because he literally said that. So it's really, think about this. Right now, CNN is going out of their way to argue you're too stupid, and that's not what he actually meant, except that's what they said when they first wrote the article. You recognize the absurdity of where we are and how that actually is happening, and it's that easy to point at? Like CNN right now will die on their argument that he never meant that. That's not what he said. We never said that. Here it is right there in front of you because they just don't care if you see it. Because they know that they will get support from the partisan people on their side that will argue you're wrong and you fake that. It's a, it's a fake. It's a deep fake or whatever. That's how crazy it gets. But here's the point. Look at what it says here. And it didn't say this when I first shared it. So either they updated this in the background, which happens all the time, or they just changed the SEO and alter the title. Biden to meet with Paul's president, visit refugees and issue major. Okay, well, look, I'll just click right on the link and show you right now. This is what it still says. Now, the new title, <laughs> Biden says Putin can't cannot remain in power. 
Well, that's the same thing, you morons. It's exactly the same thing. You're telling, if you say he can't remain in power, that's asking for, that's regime change. There, right now, I just watched a clip of them going, I didn't mean he should be leave power as he like fumbles through trying to excuse himself from this. I don't even know how they try to pretend this. Like, it's really embarrassing. Yes, he obviously called for Putin or basically suggested that Putin can't remain in power because that's obviously their end game. In any way you look at this, in any place they're involved in, they want people in power that they can control. It's pretty damn simple. So as usual, he said, the, I guess, maybe by accident, but you could see how this would work for them. But let's just say for fun, it's by accident. Said the, loud, the quiet part out loud, right? As I said, anyone shocked by this very contentious and intentionally provocative statement, that's how I felt in the, and I still do, is simply not paying attention. This is predictable. Imagine the response had Putin said something even remotely close to that. And we'll get to a point about their nuclear discussions, how being aggressively misrepresented. If he said this, they would lose their minds and say, oh, my God, he's threatening Biden directly. And that's exactly what they would do because they're children. And they know they're doing that and pretend like they're doing it from a standpoint of fighting for freedom. And so it doesn't matter. This is what he said. This is what they change it to. So what are you hiding from, CNN? Like, what, why would you hide that behind this title that has, it's not even, I mean, it's, it's obvious they're trying to sort of quiet this discussion because of what it first said, because they took the bait too. But there's a lot of this going around. I, just, I mean, again, just think about how crazy that is. To stand up there and say that we cannot let him remain in power and then walking it back embarrassingly, I mean, this is meant to be provocative, guys. They're trying, just like they did in the beginning, to drive this in. Now, more on fake news, misinformation kind of stuff. Think, about, Look at this kind of story. This is absolutely irresponsible. And they know that. They really don't care because all they have to do is go, somebody said, right? And that's what they're doing. They're not even saying that right here. This is empty baby strollers. Mark the deaths of children in Russian invasion. That is the most meaningless, substanceless, baseless thing I've ever seen. Now, if there's children that have died in this at the hands of the Russian government, those are definitely something you have to prove. On top of that, there's a lot of other factors we should ask about whether or not this is being driven into reality by the Ukrainian government, whether the Ukrainian government are the ones actually killing people and blaming it on Russia, which, by the way, we've already proven to you. And I say proven, and I mean it. But that does not mean that Russia hasn't also maybe killed somebody for another agenda or accidentally hit them by they thinking it was a military installation or how I'm going to give you the examples as we go through it. But just to roll out a bunch of baby strollers, this is straight up war propaganda. And it's gross because all this is is what the government of Ukraine is saying happened and then using something like a Netanyahu scam by standing up and pointing at a bunch of CD-ROMs or having a, having a, cart, a wily coyote cartoon of a bomb and saying, this is where we are. It means nothing. People that are lying to you are standing up and saying something without any evidence and saying, look at this, trust us. They just lied to you before. Why would you trust them now? Because there's more going on here than you realize. Propaganda. Here's another example. This is May 12th. Here, this is NPR. Russians shelled a mosque where 80 people were sheltering in Mariupol, Ukraine says. Okay, that's it, right? If all you have is the Ukrainian government said and you're parroting what they said, you're bad fake news. Right? I mean, it's as simple as that. You're going along. like So if Russia came up and said the Ukraine government just did this, would NPR put it out there and say Russian government said? No, they wouldn't. Now, how does that make sense? Because they've already taken a side and you're no longer a journalist then. Listen, we have to be honest and open about this stuff today. If these people are doing this, they're not journalists because they've taken a side. 
Now, it's okay to have an opinion, but when you write as a journalist and you're representing objective journalism as they pretend to, you're not supposed to take a side. But see, that's broken in the Western press today because they've all already taken a side, left and right, governments over governments. That's what they are. But all this is just because they said so. So the openly white supremacist and openly infiltrated Ukrainian government that was put in place by the U.S. government said something. And everybody in the Western press blindly says it. You start to see the picture? Oh, shoot. let me check that out. Somebody just said something. I'm surprised that I didn't try to didn't do this already. Let's check this out. We can do this live. Try to get just the picture. Somebody saying this picture is not even from the right from what they say it is. Let's check it out. For those who don't remember, tinai.com is the best place to do the reverse, at least what I, I, I use the most, reverse image search. So let's put this in, see what comes up. <clears throat> 22, 2022. Now, it does look like most of them are from 2022, at least so far. And this usually does, I mean, this, this is susceptible, I would imagine, to censorship and everything else as well. March 18th, March, well, that is, I mean, March 18th is a little bit back. Let's look at what this is from. That's from a player. Yeah, this does seem to be reasonably new. But anyway, a good example on how to do this and show people how to find these things. Then you can see all the examples that show you when they're from. Yeah, that is. it does seem like that's where it came from. Anyway, going forward, they're claiming that this place was bombed, first of all. So if it was bombed, that would be the first thing you would prove, right? Second, and now, by the way, NPR has the ability to do due diligence right? But they don't care to, just like the rest of them don't. Because it's easier to just toe the line and get clicks for it and get money from it, right? But the point is here, the Ukrainian government said, so it's, is it blown up? First thing to check. Number two, where'd the bombs come from, right? If you're just assuming because it was blown up, if it was, that it was Russian, then you're not a journalist because that's ridiculous. But that's what everyone's doing. We all need to be honest about this. It's obvious that we can see that that's not how you're, that you should be proving things with evidence, at the very least, and proof at the most. But that's not happening. So one, if it was exploded, two, if where the bombs actually came from, right? And then in regard to people that were there, did we speak to them? Were they being held there against their will? Well, I have plenty of evidence that are coming directly from Mariupol. They're going to tell you that's what happened. Sure. Could they be lying? Of course. But show me that kind of evidence on the other side. Now, the Ukrainian embassy in Turkey, so again, so Ukrainian government said that a group of 86 Turkish nationals, including 34 children, were among the people who had sought safety in the mosque. Well, you'll hear quite a different story when you find out that they're being held against their will with no food, no water, no toilets. But, you know, easy to use them as people that were attacked by Russians as opposed to human shields. Right. Now, my point is this. NPR just said this. Two different claims from Ukraine said no ability apparently, or no even willingness to even poke into this even remotely, especially when none other than another NATO ally is openly saying not true, fake news didn't happen. Another NATO ally. Here it says, as of Friday, the death toll in Mariupol passed this many, the office said. Again, you're just posting claims from a controlled Ukrainian government. Look, even if you don't believe the very, very obviously provable claims about the Azov Battalion and the links to an infiltration of the government that's backed by the CIA and the U.S. government, ask yourself why, in any case, you would take one side of a two-part war. Every time you're in the middle of a war, people make up different claims. There's, what about the fog of war? Couldn't they be wrong? You see what I'm saying? But nonetheless, they've just 
No problem. All of the Western corporate press are happy to take without any due diligence what they say, whether or not they're what we say they are. Even though people have a different, they are one side. So clearly they've chosen the side. So the bottom line is you're choosing to go along with it. And that's very obvious. Now here is the Turkish mosque in Ukraine's Mariupol city being claimed as intact. Not just intact, but wasn't even bombed. This is from none other than the, uh, what was it? Uh, for some reason, I'm blanking on what AA stands for again. Uh, in any case, <laughs> this Western outlet in general. What, what was I? Blank, all of a sudden, hold on. Let me just go to the... It's going to drive me crazy if I can't remember what this was. That's so strange. In any case, I don't want to waste too much time on this. You, we've, we've, point, we've referenced this outlet before. It's a Western... It, it's Anyway, the point is, I would argue this is simply corporate press coming from a different part of the world, and it's saying Turkish mosque in Ukraine's Mariupol city remains intact. Same day, same day NPR is reporting this. Did you tell me they don't see this? A Turkish mosque in the Ukrainian city of Mariupol has remained intact. It says our mosque remained undamaged. Not just not intact, but undamaged. Nothing. A rocket fell on Friday around 700 meters away from the mosque, which currently houses 30 Turkish nationals. So they're claiming 30 Turkish nationals. Now, it also says there's 86 Turkish nationals waiting to be evacuated. Again, you'll hear from these people. My point is this. How is it possible that this thing can be intact, undamaged? Yet here is NPR literally saying that they openly bombed this mosque. That's fake news. In real time. Now, now, could they have gotten it wrong? Sure. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt like they wouldn't do for us. Maybe they just mix, missed it or got the wrong information. The bottom line is they will never come back and say, here's why we were wrong. Here's why this didn't happen. And here's where the people who are, I mean, it's, it's incredible to me. This is an obvious choice to side with one side of the narrative. Now, this has been happening over and over and over and over. Andulo Agency, thank you. Now, the point here is that this is endlessly happening and they just jump to the next story. We already talked about the maternity ward, which was already, I mean, these things have been shown roundly to be false, if not being happening inside of Ukrainian controlled territory, or in some cases inside of like, for instance, the the center of Kiev, they have been claiming for for a month now or longer, less than a month, maybe three, two, three weeks that they're bombing directly in Kiev. Now, nobody asks why that even makes sense, because they just want the narrative to be that they're focusing and targeting civilians, which, by the way, does not make sense, does not add up with anything Russia strategically done in Syria and in this situation or in the past. And the same thing I've said about the U.S. government. I don't understand why anybody thinks it makes sense that they would just murder children because they want to murder children. Not for the U.S. government, not for the Russian government. They are simply they would all do it if it was beneficial to them. So, again, point out why that makes sense now. It doesn't. If you just want to go, Putin's a maniac, because you're just childishly buying into whatever they're feeding you in the news, then then it's your choice. You're lying to yourself. The point is simply this. There's no benefit to bombing inside of Kiev if they're not actively trying to go into Kiev. Now, it doesn't seem, based on the reality in the ground, that that was what's happening. Whether you want to think it's because of the biolabs discussion, which is a valid point, or because Putin has openly said that's not what he's trying to do. All right, this is the frustrating part about how they keep going, look, we beat them back in Ukraine or the... The Russians are having a defeat and we're pushing them back and they're, well, maybe that's what's happening. Or we can just listen to what he's literally saying, which is that he never had designs to occupy Ukraine and he wants to get rid of certain things that are problematic. Well, maybe, sure, he, maybe he's lying about that. But if they're openly saying that was from what they were going to do from the beginning and they're still doing that, apparently, 
and they haven't pushed that direction. And for them just to go, we fought them off and they're weak. And that's why it's like, well, maybe, but the, 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 the facts on the ground from even us um, experts on the topic seem to say quite the opposite. So my point is, it's just a advantageous narrative that works in the moment, right? That we're winning and we're fighting them back. Well, maybe it's be just because something else is really going on. Here's another story. Russia destroys Chernobyl radiation monitoring lab. Why this is so relevant is because this is the building, in my opinion, of a false flag that's being attempted to be laid at the feet of Russia. And why I think that is because this has already been stated. Russia came out early. And yes, this could be because they, I guess, planned to do this and set the narrative. That's certainly a possibility. But as always, what do we need? Evidence to back these things up. So the point is that ultimately they came out and said, first of all, Mariupol, which certainly has panned out, this is what they plan to do. They plan to do a lot of terrible things to people in Mariupol, which I'll make even more clear as we go through this today. And that's ultimately what happened. They go, oh, Russia did it all. Well, I'd love to see some evidence to back that up. The The bottom line is that they've already claimed they're about to create these things and blame it on Russia. And what do we see? They see this weird kind of disjointed story about something that happened a month ago, but yet now just happened again, like they're taking action within controlled territory that they have, which, by the way, makes no sense, right? So you control this area, but you're going to make something bad happen with radiation while it's in your controlled territory? Yeah, that makes sense. It says Russian forces have looted and destroyed a laboratory near the abandoned Chernobyl nuclear power plant that was used to monitor radioactive waste, the Ukrainian government said. There you are again. You can't think that makes sense to walk away from every single story with nothing but Ukrainian government said, unless you realize that's what they've always done about anonymous sources say, or U.S. government said, or intelligence community says. Same thing. Starting to see the connection about why this is just an extension of U.S. propaganda. The site of the world's worst nuclear disaster fell in Russia's hands in the first week of Russia's invasion. Okay, so back on the week of February 25th, they got control of this area. But apparently just, uh, what was it? Uh, Four days ago, apparently just four days ago, after having it for a month, they just decided to raid this and make a big problem for themselves. Like, I'm not trying to say that it's not possible, but explain why this even makes sense other than to set this narrative up to make it look like they're the ones that just did something. And then when something bad happens, they're going to say Russia did this to within their own control. I, I don't even know how you would make this argument make sense. What it looks like to me is the is somebody trying to maintain what they already set up to be some kind of a false flag. And you'll see what I mean. It says, according to the Ukrainian government agency, the laboratory was part of a European Union funded attempt to improve radioactive waste management. The government agency also reported that samples of the radionucleotides, nucleotides, unstable atoms that can emit high levels of radiation had been removed from the lab. It said it hoped Russia would use the samples to harm itself and not the civilized world. So they've been removed from the lab. All right. So what happens tomorrow when Ukraine's says something that happens over in this neighboring city with some kind of nuclear problem or some kind of, you know, radionuclides, radionuclides, nuclear, that's weird. I feel like it's missing a syllable, but at the point, let's just say they're using these things and suddenly a, a town over, something bad happens. And Ukraine reaches out to the U.S. government and says, Russia just did this. I just said this about the, the NATO plane crashing. If they did that, nobody would question it. They'd say, well, they already told us they were planning something, and here's the example of it, and here's happening, and there we go, Russia did it. Putin was, uh, Biden would stand up and say, we can't allow this to happen, we need to take action today. Nobody would care about evidence, nobody would, just like with Syria, it's exactly the same thing. How does that not scare everybody? 
They've already set this up, the momentum, to where they can just state things. They don't need to prove it. I mean, it goes from Trump and Pompeo right to where we are now. It's the same thing, and it goes long before that. So they're telling, they're telling you that it's been removed. Where's the proof of that? And by whom? Couldn't it have been them before they left? Yes. Well, in fact, that's what Russia is saying, that they're trying to set this up as a false flag before we ever got here. I don't know why we wouldn't at least consider that as a possibility, seeing as how they've already been caught faking things over and over and over. Maybe. It's just crazy how we're continuing to ignore this stuff. But says Ukraine is all you're going to get. Here's Russia, a business insider. Russia is stockpiling corpses of Ukrainian soldiers to use in a false flag on Chernobyl. This is March 12th. See what I mean? So they were already building the narrative. This is March 23rd. Understand, before this, Russia had already told us, which they could be lying, that they were doing this, that Ukraine's government is trying to create, or specifically the Azov the Battalion and the other groups like that, were about to carry out these false flags in these areas. Right? And then out of nowhere, they start going, oh, well, look, they're creating, they're doing this. Why? Because Ukrainian officials stated this. They allege. So both are possible, very clearly. So why one is taken at face value and one is not, especially when you have evidence overwhelmingly on one side is beyond me. But it's interesting to watch the corporate press do the, do, do the work for them. So Ukraine just calls the business insider, or rather the White House, or whoever else disseminates this and says, they're doing this here. And they just go, okay, go, news, go, tell everybody. Officials allege. I mean, it's just, it's embarrassing that this is where they are. And here's my point. Every single outlet, 12th, 11th, I mean, every one of them, Daily Beast, Gazette, ABC, they all do the same thing. Russia, stockpiling bodies, they say. Here's another one. Now, a guy, before we move past that, guys, I do believe this is something that is being created. And at the end of the day, if something ultimately happens, it's not hard to see how this would go. And they warned us. And they told you that, and of course, then Ukraine comes out on top of that. And so that's what they're doing, which is the way that went. And of course, the Western press just toes that line because that's what they do without any due diligence. Now, here's a different, it's kind of in reverse, where... We already saw evidence of white phosphorus being used, like every single U.S. ally and every single war we've seen have done because they've been supplied by the U.S. government. And that's on the record. But, you know, not, not this time, though, because we already had that evidence, but now they just come out after the fact, after the Western press has chosen to ignore the other part of that story and goes, Russia white phosphorus video emerges. That's all they have. It's not even proven that they did it or that it even is white phosphorus, but a video comes out where someone says that and everybody points at it. Except when we have proof, or rather, evidence of the Ukraine government using it and the evidence of the history of the U.S. government providing that and using it themselves, nobody says a peep outside of Western uh, independent media. NATO is already planning chemical war response. That was quick. I wonder if something's being planned. What do you think? The U.S. is looking at how to respond if Russia uses chemical nuclear biological weapons. (laughs) Really? Well, as as John points out, I was just going to jump to this real quick. Syrian rebels were desperate for U.S. intervention. Obama warned a chemical attack there would be a red line. Syria started suffering chemical attacks. Shocking, I know. Ukraine is desperate for NATO intervention. Biden says NATO will respond if there's a chemical attack in Ukraine. Gee, you're starting to see a coordination here, sort of like as we keep telling you that this is the new Syria. 
the, the Ukraine and the new Al-Qaeda. This is all the same plan, guys. UN inspectors in Duma, where the most notorious of Syria's gas tax occurred, attacks occurred, blew the whistle that their forensic report into the attack had been not, uh, manipulated under U.S. pressure to make it look like Assad was responsible. There's been a media blackout on that story ever since. We've talked about this before. So here we are again. They go, if they do this, then we're going to do that. I, gee, I wonder why you just did. What, where's the evidence? Is it planned? No, well, Ukraine said. Interesting. Well, who's funding and arming and creating Ukraine? We are. But don't, don't look at that, though. Don't find the CIA fingerprints all over everything. As Moscow stands accused of using phosphorus bombs. That's it. Their entire premise is floated on the idea that somebody posted a tweet with an image of something that they didn't prove. But that's enough for corporate pre- media today. Think about how ridiculous that is. What Russia might resort to, good journalism and the conflict entering its fifth week will be discussed during a NATO. So they're discussing in a massive NATO session about what Russia might do in the context of something that could have happened. Think about how stupid that is. Thursday after Biden warned that he might do this thing. The high stakes meeting comes after Russia was accused of deploying white phosphorus munitions, just like Ukraine was already accused, but nobody cared about. And by the way, there was more evidence for, but nobody cares about that one, though. There was no NATO meetings brought together. There was nobody discussing what they might do. I wonder why. Isn't that strange? And it's accused by who? Who do you think, guys? Guess right now. Who do you think? Accused by who? Oh, you got it. By the head of Kiev's police. All right. Don't forget the police are infiltrated by the Azov Battalion, which has been proven and referenced by Western press themselves. Quote, the occupiers dropped phosphorus bombs on Kramatorsk, he wrote on Telegram, next to a video of material burning on the ground, which has not been independently verified. Great journalism. So you don't know is your answer. We don't know. Could be fake. Here's a video of somebody saying something. Fake news. But of course, we prove things. Peer-reviewed science, documentation, people on the ground, and we're all censored and deleted because that's the broken world we live in right now. Here's all they're pointing at, guys. And it says, the mayor of Irpin says, <laughs> same thing. Think about how stupid this all is. This is a video that could have come from anywhere about anything. And by the way, in my opinion, it's not white phosphorus. But you tell me. No no sound. It starts right in the middle. Right? Gee, what happened before that? Why wouldn't you show? So this guy just happens to be there catching it right then? Certainly possible. My point being simply that if it was more, then why was that cut off? No audio, falling way too slow, in my opinion. On top of that, the, 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 everything about this is not is wrong in every way, in my opinion, about what white phosphorus looks like. No, it certainly could be. There's people that are more experts in this topic than I am, so please chime in. But it go, that, this is what they're claiming. This is the evidence they say they have. And that's it. That's all it takes. The mayor of the Ukraine government, or of this, of Irpin, and the Ukraine government, a group that has been openly controlled and influenced by the Azov battalions, we pointed out many times. As Scott Ritter's pointed out, as plenty of other people pointed out, it's not debatable. Now, all they're doing now is trying to kind of pretend that they're not what we say they are, and it's very obvious that even they said they were like 30 seconds ago. But they say, look, here's something, and everybody reports it. Here, by the way, here's what it actually looks like, by the way. Falling much faster. Way faster. Now it says that it could not fire it, but it could be white phosphorus. And guess what? U.S.-led forces fighting ISIS in Raqqa, they say they do, or say they were fighting in, uh, in Raqqa and Mosul, are being accused of. 
This is from 2017. Using banned substances in residential districts. Right? It's not a guys. This has been proven in every single field of war. And every time they get caught, they simply go, "Oh no, it's for sig- signaling and stuff," which is supposed to be some kind of loophole. Except why you would use that in the middle of the day and when it lands on civilian areas, it no longer matters anyway. But who cares? And they just have an excuse, and everyone disregards. The point is simply this, that they've continued to get caught using this in Iraq, in Syria, in Israel, in not U.S. in this case, but that'd be the Israeli government. And and it's all over the place. They keep getting caught. So we need to ask ourselves what really makes more sense. Because here's what I said before. Didn't when when this is the same report, Russia is using white phosphorus emerges, read the video. I said, didn't we already see this part? Oh, that's right. Back on February 28th, when the Aza Battalion used white phosphorus, they used Soviet-era grad units. Didn't Wall Street Journal just tell us something about someone sending secret Soviet air and weapons to Ukraine? Yeah, they did. That's why I was going to grab that. I forgot. Let's see if I can bring it up. Dang. Oh. There it is. Yes. Now, of course, this comes from the Russian, from Russia, so you should question it like anything else. But the point was simply that they're telling you they're using Soviet-era grad rockets. Right. We just talked about the fact that even the Western press is telling you that the U.S. government got caught secretly acquiring Soviet-era weapons and then sending them to Ukraine. Because that's not totally suspicious at all. Read it for yourself. We did an entire show on this. The point is, guys... They're telling you they're using grad Soviet-era units. Wall Street Journal just told you that the U.S. government got caught secretly acquiring that exact kind of material and putting it to Ukraine, right? I mean, it's just very simple if you care to actually be objective about all this. Now, the point is, in this episode, we discussed the evidence around this. The evidence of what's happening, not just of the actual act, but on top the point of which the point that we already just made that in every single point of the war, whether there is allies like Israel or wars the U.S. government's involved in, you can find them using white phosphorus. Or on top of all of that, things like depleted uranium. The point being is, if you if you would think if you would say they'd never use that, well, if they're using depleted uranium, which is is these are all horrific war crimes. This is foreign policy. United States government used depleted uranium in Syria, not just Iraq, but also Syria. The airstrikes on all trucks in the Islamic State controlled areas employed toxic material, which have been accused of causing cancer, not accused of, even they're doing, that's undeniable. Generations of birth defects and cancers, horrific things. They knew this was a crime. They did it anyway. They knew it was a crime in Iraq. They did it anyway. Then they get, they knew and got accused of it in Iraq, said they wouldn't use it, did it again in Syria. This is what criminals do, guys. This is what horrible people do. Because they, and by the way, whether you think they're bombing ISIS or not, they're bombing areas in Syria, which then have dramatic decade, generational effects for people living in the area in general. That's horrific. As it says, officials have confirmed, not hypothetical, confirmed, the U.S. military, despite vowing not to use depleted uranium weapons on the battlefield in Iraq and Syria, fired thousands of rounds, thousands of munitions during two high-profile raids in Syria. The air, this is 2015. So, gee, ask yourself what 2015 is the conversation around these labs and everything else as well. My problem is and all this is some of these things are experimentation. The air assaults mark the first confirmed use of this armament 
depleted uranium and who knows what else, since the 2003 Iraq invasion, when it used hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of depleted uranium bombs, setting off outrage among local communities, which alleged that the toxic material caused cancers. We know that's a fact today, 100%. You're talking about uranium, guys. This is depleted uranium, and which is something that they just want. This is, this is sin, uh, malicious, trying to hurt people. So the point being, this is what they do. So as we get caught, as they get caught sending Soviet-era grad-type, just weapons in general to Ukraine to get used, and then we find out that Ukraine's using those exact kind of Soviet-era weapons and being accused of using white phosphorus with them, it's pretty interesting to recognize there's more going on here as they then go, oh, Russia, Russia did it. Because that video that doesn't even look like white phosphorus to me, and there we are. Now they've effectively, in their minds, covered up that story. That's how that works. Here's another interesting one by, I can't, I'm forgetting his name all of a sudden. What's it? Give me his name in the chat. Um, I'm, what is his name again? This is not his channel, by the way. This is just the channel that I, I saw it on. But uh, this guy, I, that's, I hate when I forget people's names. Give me in the chat and I'll say it. Uh, it's a video he just, he made about another fake. And it's very clear. Now we've already shown you the off guardian. I'll maybe I'll just grab that since you got because that's always a good one for you guys to look at if you haven't already seen this. I mean, good God, it's so very obvious. Video games being used, Zelensky lying about his own pictures. I mean, it's just really clumsy and bad. But check out this video. It's only I'm going to play it. It's only a minute and a half. Paul Joseph Watson, thank you. As much as but he's very partisan, by the way, he does have some good content here and there when it aligns with the partisan objective. <laughs> the point is that this is obvious fakery. Nobody cares. Right? This is still out there. You're still Western press, still pointing at stuff like this. This is my point. When they know, or rather maybe they didn't know, but it gets shown to be fake, they don't stop. They just keep going. Stunning victory for the Ukrainian military in the Kherson region this morning. Calculations of air defense of the land forces of the armed forces. No, note the, the account. I'm going to show you some more about this in a moment. So this is the official Ukraine defense. So this is the Ukrainian government knowingly lying to the world. Not some small little group or having to frame this. This is directly from the top. They are lying to the world. Because that's the plan. Forces of Ukraine skillfully eliminated four K-52 helicopters of the armed forces of the Russian Federation. The Ukrainian MOD tweeted, We are proud of Ukrainian soldiers. Amazing, incredible. Take a look at this stunning feat. Wait a minute, that's gameplay footage from a video game called Armor 3, which was released a few days ago on YouTube. Whoop. Seriously. So a few so a few days ago they released this video. And they, I mean, what do they think? That nobody's gonna find it? Do they just not care? I mean, they must just not care. It must be some level of just knowing that it doesn't really matter if we see through it, as long as they get a certain amount of people to buy it. Or just be along with their narrative. Now watch this. He, what he points out is they all they really did apparently was just alter the the clarity down a grade so it seems like it's valid. I mean, it's just incredible. Oops, is the original footage from the game. It looks like they just deliberately downgraded the quality to try to make it look authentic. But surely Ukrainian television news would have called out this fakery, or maybe not, since the government seized control of all TV stations earlier this week. Sure. Yep. Right. Just waiting for that point, just to get, get that out there in the show today. The, on top of that, we know they've already declared martial law across the country. 
They've seized all these rail, like the, all everything they do, these things, they do it under a guise of because Russia bad guy, right? We're doing it for the safety of Ukrainians, even though every Ukrainian we speak to that gets out of the country is like, oh my God, they were hurting us. They were holding us as human shields. The bottom line is they're the ones doing these things. They're declaring martial law. They're seizing control of the news outlets and claiming it's because Russia. They're, if this was Russia doing any of these things, it would obviously be like totalitarian authoritarianism. Look at them censoring information, but not when Ukraine does it. Explain that to me. Surely the Ministry of Truth, I mean, the independent fact checkers are all over this one. Nope, not a single article or Twitter sidebar explainer in sight. How many hoaxes is that now? I'm losing count. Snake Island, the ghost of Kiev, the phony memorial attack, fake mobile crematoriums, the dubious attack on the nuclear power plant. And what are fact checkers in the American media concerned about? Eh, explaining to you how science can't define what a woman is. <laughs> just on that ridiculous point, by the way, you know, it just shows you how agenda and policy and politics are always more important to these people. You know, the, the, the woman literally pretending like she's not a biologist, so she can't define woman. I mean, that's just stupid. And we all know that just because you decide you want to frame these things differently does not change that there is very clear. It's it's like it's this is politics and this is the what it does. It takes control. And he listed off a few of them there. We talked about the maternity war. We've talked about the, you know, the ghost of Kiev. Oh, these are flagrant. And I'm talking like monumentally verified, outrageous fakes. And they just don't care. I don't even understand how they think they can get away with that. I mean, maybe they don't care about that either. I mean, I really don't know. But that's not the end of it. There's a lot more. Oh, and by the way, when I tried to watch this, it seems like BitChute just gets focused on more than anything. But I want to make this point in regard to censorship in general. This is my, and I have to find out how I alter this on my settings, but my own, uh, uh, you know, router is, is basically telling me when I tried to click on this video that, no, they blocked it for my protection. Why? Because they might be trying to steal your information. You know, it's the same thing that Twitter does. Think about how crazy that is. That means that from a, 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 a routing level, Netgear, whatever else, that they're blocking probably people like my website. But on that same note, by the way, guys, I just want people to know that our T-Lab is like under aggressive attack right now. I don't really go into it that much other than the censorship points, but it's crazy. I mean, aggressive. My, our website is probably down maybe by half right now in traffic. And I'm not making that up. I mean, it'll probably give or take about half in total. But the general traffic from day to day, just aggressively down. One, because the site seems to be going up and down every every so often, even though I, they, they're trying to figure out why and they can't figure out why. There seems to be things in the background that are being tweaked. They don't understand why. I mean, this is coming directly from HostGator, guys. I, what do you do? There's some high-level manipulations, in my opinion, that are happening. Not, not talking about just me, but in general, all over the place. That could be what's happening to me. I don't know. But the bottom line is, it's just, it's crazy. And so... That kind of stuff I can promise you is happening. The links being told you're dangerous, not letting you go, redirecting you, blocking stuff in general, censoring you on every social media platform imaginable. Right? This is happening. So on that note in general, you guys know that I rarely, if ever, make calls for, you know, subscribe or come donate or whatever else. But just know that in this moment in particular, this is a moment of, of a deciding moment. We're never going to stop doing this, right? But the point is that this is a moment for when we need to start shifting things in a different direction. And I'm not even, I don't, I, I mean, really, I'm not even talking about donations. I'm just talking about reach, right? Because I mean, as always, you guys will choose to donate if you believe this is important. And I never ask for that because it's not really about me soliciting things. It's about you deciding this is important enough to, to, to spend it here instead of on something at the store or whatever else, because we're fighting for you. But the reach, 
That's what it's really about. So if you, I, I would rather you today, instead of sending some kind of donation, take the time to share this information, get it out there on different platforms, keep pushing it out into the community and say, this is being censored. Here's what's going on. That's what we need more of guys, because they are actively attacking. And that goes for me as well as any other independent platform out there. They're coming after the platforms in a really aggressive way. And this is just one of the many that they're doing it from a high level way. And I believe that's going to happen in regard to domain names, DNS. I mean, this is, this is coming. So as always, reach out, connect, email, subscribe, send me direct letters. You guys have our, our address, right? That we have to stay in contact. Now, another one we already pointed out, Ukraine reports 300 dead in airstrike on Mariupol Theater. Well, what's interesting, by the way, is you're going to find that the Mariupol point of this is a central location of Azov control. We'll make that clear in a second. So recognize all of this stuff happening in Mariupol, in my opinion, is completely, if not fabricated, being committed by the Aza Battalion. That's just, I mean, that's my opinion, but there's just too much evidence right now to not say that. Ukrainian authorities said Friday, in what would make the war's deadliest known attack. So even Associated Press is reporting, they said so. And if true, would make it this. That's the Associated Press for crying out loud. Read it for yourself. That's it. It all stems on what the Ukrainian authorities, they don't even tell you which ones, which ones, the government, the, the U government, the, the National Guard, the Azov Battalion, the, the Zelensky himself. Who knows? My, my guess is if Ukrainian authorities means one of the groups they don't want you to know they're pointing at. And if it came from Mariupol, I can promise you it's the Azov Battalion. But they don't want you to know that, though, right? Because they don't want you to know they're using an open, the neo-Nazi group, and as even Ben Swan pointed out, in many cases, actual Nazis, to, to use to reference what they're saying. I wonder why. Russian tank driver surrenders in return for 7,500 euro, or whatever the, where we were talking about in this case. This is the sun, so that would be pound in Ukraine citizenship in latest blow to humiliate Putin. Like, really stupid garbage like this. The point is that humiliated Putin in the latest blow. Was he running out of bullets this time? Did he lose his tanks? Is he retreating in fear? Like, they just report whatever. I mean, it's so embarrassing because none of that actually seems to be happening. Remember, didn't they say he was running out of bullets like three weeks ago? <laughs> anyway, the point is this person apparently, now it could be true. I, don't, I mean, any of this could be true. My point is simply this. The man only named Misha said all of this. And how do we know? Well, Victor, this person's name, an advisor to the head of Ukraine's interior ministry. Oh, you mean that group that literally was once the Azov Battalion? Oh, perfect. So here we are yet again, where this, it's not news break. This, I, I hate using this. I don't know why I, I get busy and I don't want to go to the directly to the sun, of course, same group, sun, blindly taking what the Azov Battalion tells them. They claimed this Misha saw no point in further fighting and was afraid to return home. So he jumped out of a tank that he was in and said, give me money and I'll, and I'll, and citizenship and I'll, and I'll leave. You know, that whole story doesn't even make sense. Like, why would you be inside of a tank? I mean, I, I could go off. I mean, it's just silly guys. You know, it could be true, but isn't there a lot more we should be asking whether or not this, this person was even part of the military or whether this was something else or whether this person was, I mean, there's, there's more, the bottom line is all you ultimately get was a foggy story about Ukrainian soldiers celebrating because they're all losing. And here's an example of this guy. We don't get to vet who didn't probably didn't exist. who don't have a last name. And the only reason we know what happened is because Ukraine's interior ministry, AKA Azov battalion told you it happened and they've already been caught lying over and over and over and over and over. Sure. It makes sense to me. I don't know why you wouldn't even question it, right?
Here's another one. Russia reasserts right to use nuclear weapons in Ukraine. That's the Guardian saying that. They're claiming in their headline that Russia is reasserting its right to use nuclear weapons. Now, is that what they actually said? Even in their own article, it clearly shows you that's not what they said. But that's what they'll say. Because people that just want to read the headlines run away screaming what the headline said. A Kremlin, again, this is even what they write, raised the specter of use of nuclear weapons in the war with Ukraine as Russia forces struggled to hold the key city. My point in this, guys, again, is that what happened? I don't know. I don't know why anybody would blindly think that's what's happening, especially when it's very obvious, strategically, militarily, even, even for experts in the U.S., that the, Russia is in no way struggling and is very clearly superior militarily to what's going on in Ukraine. I mean, this was still being stated by plenty of experts on militarily on the ground right now. But the press, of course, real military experts, they're the ones that keep telling you, because that guy said in Ukraine, that they're running out of bullets, that they're losing, that Putin's afraid, that he's crying in his bedroom and alone, and oh, like whatever, <laughs> just nonsense. They just state because they want to make him look bad, hoping that's going to drive them to take action. I don't even know. My point in this is it could be true. And I don't even know why we would disregard that Russia might not always succeed in everything they're doing. I, it, it, the point is simply that there could be more happening. We know there's U.S. people on the ground. We know there's other entities on the ground. There could be a larger thing happening. The bottom line is what they said they are going to do is not go in and just take everything around. They, so he could be lying, but it seems to be that it seems to be what's happening. And so I don't know why they just continue to go, look, he's doing what he said he's doing. And that means we're winning. <laughs> it's, I guess. It's, what's the overarching point? Nobody seems to know anything, and they're just spinning narrative left and right. Quote, Russia is deliberately bragging they can destroy with nuclear weapons. That's what Zelensky said is happening. Not only a certain country, but the entire planet. So Zelensky takes what I'm about to read to you and says that Putin's not only threatening to destroy, that bragging to use them, but he's threatening to destroy the planet. An advisor to Ukraine's defense ministry claimed on Saturday that Russia would soon lose control of this certain city. Well, so in a couple of weeks when it doesn't happen, can we circle back and say, look, they lied? No, they'll just pretend something new will happen and we won't even look at it again because it's probably not going to happen. In an interview on Saturday, Russia's nuclear doc- they, they, Russia reiterated the nuclear doctrine. Why? Well, because it was discussed in the context of what they would. Well, it's, this is how this works, guys. They get poked at in regard to their nuclear weapons. So they respond. They go, well, here's our nuclear doctrine. And stating that it did not require an enemy state to use a weapon first. So in the context of how they frame it, like in this article, they don't make it clear that somebody were asking them, what would you do in this context? What is your nuclear doctrine? Why don't you talk about nuclear weapons, right? Nope, they just go in an interview. He just randomly goes, we like weapons and nuclear stuff. No, that's not what happened. It's an interview. Somebody asked the question. But it's interesting how they just don't give you the question, right? Because they want you to think they're just bragging about nuclear weapons. That's not what happened. This is clumsy, lazy, juvenile propaganda. Here's what he said. We have a special document on nuclear deterrence, as every government anywhere does. This document clearly indicates the grounds on which the Russian Federation is entitled to use nuclear weapons. So he's not even saying we're going to. He's simply going, here's a document, and here's how it outlines wow, how and, if we, and when we would in certain contexts. <laughs> what a maniac. There are a few of them, he says. Let me remind them to you. Number one is the situation when Russia is struck by a nuclear missile. Well, that's obvious. Every government has that. The second case is any use of other nuclear weapons against Russia or its allies. Okay, so somebody used nuclear weapons, they can use them back. Even the U.S. government doesn't say that. U.S. government goes, we, never, we won't remove the option of using nuclear weapons first. Right. 
So they're saying we're willing to use them before anybody else does. Well, we know that from the past. That's not inflammatory. But Russia's saying we'll use them if you do first. That's them bragging about nuclear weapons. I mean, this is just clumsy. Next one says the third is an attack on critical infrastructure that will have paralyzed our nuclear deterrence, which, again, is logical. So they're saying that if we if you target our nuclear deterrence capability, then we maintain the option to use them before we lose that ability. That's any government in any nuclear deterrence standing. Every one of them say this. It says, and the fourth case is when an act of aggression is committed against Russia and its allies, which jeopardize the existence of the country itself, even without the use of nuclear weapons, such as in massive attack on the entire infrastructure of their country, which would would make them lose control. Are you going to pretend that the U.S. government, the U.S. government would use these nuclear weapons if it chose to before any of this happened? They've already stated that. That's when they say we won't, we refuse to take that off the table. Can you just recognize how childish it is to frame what that is as bragging about blowing up the world? That's just a lie. And they even quote what he says right down here. It's frustrating. Now it says, he added that there was a, quote, determination to defend the independent sovereignty of our country, not to give anyone a reason to doubt even the slightest that we are ready to give a worthy response to any infringement of our country. What a maniac. He's basically saying that we will respond if you do something. And that's how they frame this. Can you remember what Trump said? Can you remember what Biden said about a bloody and destructive war? Yeah, but they're the ones that are maniacs, right? This is the kind of garbage the Guardian and everyone else are putting out right now because there's such an obvious agenda. It makes me sick. Now, here's something that just came out. This was today. Reports, Ukrainian peace negotiators showed signs of poisoning after meeting Russians. Is there any proof whatsoever? No. This is statements by Ukrainian officials from the beginning of the month? Yes. March 3rd. So my point is, this took a month for them to even say this? Then so why, so why are they framing it as if this just happened, which is what most people will take it as? And I've already seen that happen on social media. Title skimmers is what they are. But guess what, guys? Here's the most interesting and ridiculous part. Three Ukrainian peace negotiators showed signs of poisoning after meeting their Russian counterparts earlier this month, including Russian oligarch, Roman Abramovich. Right. So they attacked you guys and one of our own. I'm sure they just want to include that so it looks like they're just clumsy, like they just messed up and got one of themselves sick. The point is there's nothing but statements here. Sources told the Wall Street Journal, sources, the Ukrainian government, that the group developed red eyes, constant pain, painful tearing, peeling of the skin. That's it. If that even happened, mind you. Is there evidence or pictures? No. The report was corroborated by the investigative journalism website, Bellingcat, because we know they haven't lied about Syria a thousand times over, knowingly misrepresented the actual facts on the ground in Syria, right? <laughs> yeah, literally. The, the group of Bellingcat it should be one of the most obvious propagandists out there. They've been openly and roundly caught lying about Syria. Chemical weapons experts told Bellingcat, so now we're even removed even one further, based on the likely toxin and diagno- do- dosage used. So he, think about that. A chemical weapons expert who was talking with Bellingcat about information that they don't have. So there's one hypothetical removed based on the likely toxin. So now we're hypothetically talking about a situation. Then we're hypothesizing what a toxin could have been that might have been used, then guessing the dosage. And they're going, well, all those things considered, it was intended to intimidate them. I can't even make sense of how ridiculous that is. So you're not, there's no evidence whatsoever. This is statements from Ukraine. Bellingcat takes those hypothetical statements and runs around. That's what they do. 
And now we're assuming that that means they were actually being attacked. They just, just threatened. Oh, the hypothetical thing that you don't know actually happened that you're theorizing on the, the dosage of? Yeah, it makes sense. Why am we the only ones to see how stupid this is? In no way does that mean that Russia is not capable of, of poisoning or any of this stuff. But this is meant to draw parallels with the ridiculous, openly fake Skripal lie. Right? Remember all that? The Novichok virus and all the nonsense. Of, I mean, just look up Caitlin Johnstone's coverage of this if you want a good chuckle. Because it's really stupid. How she makes fun of how it went from a, a doorknob to, a, to this to a bench seat. No, it, it, they just, it was a gross, obvious, over, some, I mean, they, they over-assumed their influence, I think. The Novichok absurdity was a joke. They never proved anything. Now here is another example that I'm sure will upset people. But here's my point about how this gets framed, guys. Recognize what we just showed you in regard to Zelensky, in regard to the groups we're talking about. Actually, we're going to get into Zelensky and, and Klamoyski next. But the, the groups that we're actually talking about and the groups that are lying about this, the groups that are actually openly neo-Nazi. This is from Associated Press from today. Holocaust survivors flee from Ukraine to Germany for safety. Now, when you read this story, what would you think would be the point? Right? What what's the the focal point? Well, obviously this this would suggest that specifically Jewish people in Ukraine who are also Holocaust survivors are an extra threat. Now, why would that be? I mean, the unstated is obvious and they, may, they trust me, it's unstated. Well, why would Jews be more at threat in Ukraine in this context? Well, they're framing it as because Russia. Okay, so are Russia targeting Jewish people? Well, no, I mean, not even they're saying that. Well, what they are insinuating, and this is my point, this is the narrative they're trying to build, even as they get exposed for the connections we're talking about with the CIA and Azov and Zelensky and all of it, is that Russia are the actual Nazis. That's, we, this has been clumsily tried to patch together, and they're still sort of floating this. Well, no, Russia's the one that actually has the... No, no, there's very little evidence that's actually what's happening. Are there people in their country like that? Like almost every other country? Yes. So this article is meant to insinuate without saying it that they're really at threat from the Russian Nazis. And that's why we had to rush them out of there first. You'll see what I mean. Holocaust survivors flee from Ukraine to Germany for safety. Which almost kind of seems insulting that it would go of all places Germany, but let's see what they say here. When the bombs started falling on Ukraine's capital, Kiev, last month, which again makes no sense whatsoever, why Russia would be bombing into Kiev a month ago, long before they were even close to being pushed in, before they were even within the ability to push into Kiev, right? They, they're claiming they're just bombing into Kiev for no reason, just murdering civilians. You want my opinion? This is Ukraine's government doing this, if it's happening at all. 100%. That's my opinion. Based on all the people we've heard, all the fleeing people from Mariupol and Kiev, and all of them telling you what's actually happened to them at the at the hands of the Ukrainian government. So what they're saying is, when they started falling last month, which I think was the Ukrainian government, this person got scared. An 83-year-old Ukrainian Jew felt the same panic. She's This is what they're saying. By the way, the, none of the quotes seem to suggest what they say she's saying, which is interesting to me. She felt the same panic she felt back in the, the past. Now it says, quote, my whole body was shaking and those fears crept up again through my entire body. Fears which I didn't even know were still hidden inside me. Now, is she scared of the Russian government? She's scared of the Ukrainian government? Well, they don't really get into that. Well, they sure put words in her mouth. But recognize, guys, that we've already spoken to people who have left 
these areas who are telling you what they're dealing with. We've spoken to, to LGBTQ people. We've, we've shown you the discussions of women and children, how they've been treated by these people who are openly neo-Nazi, openly using Nazi symbolism, discuss, openly discussing how the white race is what they want to spread around the world. These are the very people we're talking about, directly influenced and infiltrated throughout the military, the police force, the National Guard, all of it, their own party, the National Corps. Svoboda, Right Sector, Georgian Legion, all of these groups are exactly what we're telling you they are. We've proven it on the show. So, why would she not be afraid of that? Seeing as how this is openly discussed in Ukraine. Marching through the squares, chanting in football games. I mean, it's obvious. Maybe she is. But they just, they, they only give you really select quotes and then tell you what she's saying. And the bottom line is that it's just her, she gets upset and she wells up and she remembers the old days from the Nazis and Okay, but says that her, what uh, Zerolovia was part of the first group, that's her name, of four Jewish Holocaust survivors evacuated from Ukraine. Again, why are they being evacuated? Not to, not to suggest that everybody shouldn't be evacuated if there's bombs happening, but why them over the family next to them, right? Why the focus on the Jewish family? They're trying to suggest without saying it that they're at more risk right now. Now, it could be that they are, in fact, because of what's happening by the Ukrainian military, and maybe that's what they're using to rely, sort of like they already made the, the LGBTQ article we showed you. Remember that? Vice News? Let me see if I can actually pull that up. Right there. Now, here, this is, this is what I think is happening. This article goes out of its way in really, really bad fashion, like just bad. I mean, this is a few paragraphs in. You can see that they're aggressively framing it in the wrong direction. Trans people stranded alone in Ukraine following Russia's invasion. Now, if you dig into this even slightly and actually look this up in other contexts, these people are terrified of the Ukrainian government. And by the way, I've made that clear in other discussions. What they were saying about Ukraine right before this started, right now it's them over there. They are terrified of being attacked. And I'm even going to make this clear as we go later in the show, coming from what the, uh, I'm forgetting the group all of a sudden, a group, a, a, hum, a human rights group, I believe, is telling their own people, like, don't go to Ukraine if you look like this. Don't go to Ukraine if you're LGBTQ. Right? Now, how does that make sense today if they're the ones being attacked, right? The point is these people are terrified of this openly neo-Nazi racist government, and, the, and that's what they're saying. But the point is they're afraid to flee because the bombs are falling. But the, they frame that as being afraid of the Russian government. Now, maybe they are too, but they're very clear about what they're actually afraid of. And all they can frame it as is Russia bad guy because they have an agenda. Now, that's what I think is happening here. They're, ter they're very clearly trying to lay the set the, the table here on the story. Russia is the one who is persecuting Jewish people in Ukraine. On the record, that's obviously not the truth. Very clearly. Now it says the claims conference is working with its partners among the American Jewish Joint Distribution Committee, Committee or JDC, to get as many Holocaust survivors out of Ukraine as possible. It's, it's just it's obvious there's a focus on that when there's not an explanation of why they would be focused on when they're living under an openly neo-Nazi government, right? It's it's very interesting how they're trying to kind of sidestep this. But on top of that, we're going to get into Kol, uh, Kolomoisky, who's also Jewish, who also is the one funding the Azov Battalion. See, none of this makes sense. There's something bigger going on, and this is a manipulation sort of like we saw in Syria. It says, however, the risks of staying behind are also very high. This month, 96-year-old Boris Ramachenko, who survived several Nazi concentration camps in World War II, was killed during the attack of the Ukrainian city of Kharkiv. I find it interesting how often this city keeps coming up. 
Now, it is just because it is one of the places that seems to be central, but not just that. Because of the labs, there's something more going on with this city that focuses on the Azov Battalion and the labs specifically that they are working on. The Azov Battalion is one of the groups specifically in this central lab in this area. I'm going to show you that, which is alarming to think about them working in a BSL-34 lab. It's crazy. But the point is simply that why would they be at risk from staying behind? Well, it would make sense if you believe that Russia is just arbitrarily bombing civilian areas. I don't believe that's happening. I believe that the Ukrainian government is openly bombing civilian areas and blaming it on Russia, as plenty of witnesses have openly stated on the record. It says it is not known if any other survivors have been killed in the war in Ukraine, but several have had their homes hit by shelling. Right. And do we know where those shells came from? No, it's just assumed Russia, because that's the point. You're supposed to assume that. It's not what journalists do, though. So these aren't journalists. As of last week, around 3,500 Ukrainian Jews, old, young and old, had arrived in Germany. And the government has already offered them special path to permanent immigration as part of Germany's ongoing effort to compensate Jews since the Holocaust. Okay, so again, there's no effort to make any sense of why they're the ones that should be moved first. Un other than the obvious, that Russia is focusing on Jewish people, which is, by the way, not what I, what this even remotely seems to be happening. Not even they're seemingly claiming that just yet. Isn't that strange? This is the effort to build the narrative, guys. I'm telling you that. Now, here's what we just talked about the other day. Who are Ukraine's far-right Azov regiment? Now, this is written on March 1st, 2022. There's a lot here you should read, but the main point was, who is funding Azov's battalion, Azov battalion? The unit received backing from Ukraine's Interior Ministry in 2014, which later became that, as the government had recognized its own military was too weak to fight off the separatists. Now, it says those forces were privately funded by oligarchs, the most known being Igor Kolomoisky. In addition to Azov, Kolomoisky funded other volunteer battalions, which are no longer, vol well, I mean, a lot of them are still volunteer, most of them, I believe, but they're not what that sounds like. They're much larger and, inf and infiltrated, but it says, and as such as these different groups, the Dnipro 1, Dnipro 2, and Donbass units. Now, that's not what it sounds like. Obviously, these are people that are not there to support the Donbass people, but the opposite. And that's exactly the problem is that they were then used from inside and then blamed on the Don this, this, There's an active, ongoing psychological warfare happening here. But Kolomoisky, we just talked about this. This person is directly tied and was one of the people uh, in one of the central locations on the eastern Donbass kind of front line in one of the oblasts there, who's with the mayor. And he was the one openly funding these groups, knowing that they're openly neo-Nazi. Now, the point is, guys, that this person is in, has some interesting connections to what we're talking about here to Zelensky and a lot of, a lot of other things. It says, meet the private army controlled by sacked Ukrainian billionaire Igor Kolmoisky. This is 2015. Now, he was appointed governor of this oblast. It's a hard one to pronounce. Now, Kolomoisky decided to build his own private army. Now, what I think this was in 2015 was to lay the groundwork for why Kolomoisky was in fact, whether driven, pushed to, always a part of the Russian side. And I'll show you this. Now, whether that was the point or not, whether that was actually what was happening, is the question. So I believe this is them showing you the narrative, sort of like they want you to go look at the Azov bad guys because they wanted you to lay it at the feet of Russia, which was the plan with the Russian imperial movement. That's why they used the Rise Above movement, even though we've already proven that was directly tied to the Azov Battalion, which is then directly tied to the CIA and people that we're going to point at. But if you didn't know that part of it, they wanted you to look at this problem because they wanted you to eventually blame the Russian government. Whitney wrote about this. 
So the point is here is to go, oh, he did it. It's all this guy. So then when they off, they push him over there and make it look like he sided with Russia, then you go, okay, they're the real Nazis. This is my opinion. There are even a couple of Americans, they say. Estimates suggest Kolomoisky could call on over 20,000 troops in reserves. Well, that seems like quite a bit more than their 1,100 troops. They keep pretending the only that what they have. Of course, they're including the other battalions as well. My point is, guys, this is not just some small 1,100 volunteer battalion. That's a, as I keep making that point. That's what they keep embarrassingly saying. This is the military, right? This has become immersed. As uh, it goes on to say, they help play a key role in halting the advance of the Moscow-backed rebels from their strongholds in Donetsk and Luhansk. So they were, and the point is, guys, what they're trying to make this sound like is as if the Donbass region was invading Ukraine. That's not what was happening. They were defending their own sovereign territory. If you, I mean, and it's, this is the embarrassing part about this, where anybody anywhere in the world that declares independence is supposed to be recognized, unless it's someone that goes against the U.S. agenda, right? I mean, this isn't the United Nations. This is, the bottom line is they're not allowed to declare freedom because they don't, we don't like what they're calling for because it goes against our agenda. So halting their advance is not what was really happening. This was them, them trying to be forced back into the country. Here's the guy we're talking about, Kolomoisky, who you already saw his picture, by the way, the other day in that shirt that he was wearing which is supposed to be the kind of overlap between the Jewish and Azov Battalion, which is exactly what this is. Now, the town he came, that he was the, lead, the leader of became the front line in the battle against Donbass region and Ukraine. So all of the horrific things, the 14,000 people that have died, that's all largely laid at the feet of, of him along the people along this front line, which is being grown by the U.S. government and the puppet regime in Ukraine. The battalion was equipped with new SUVs, armored cars, machine guns, grenade launchers, body armor, new uniforms at the cost of $10 million. Now, they say this came from his pocket. I just don't buy that entirely. I think this is being driven by outside forces. Now, it says it was widely seen as being better equipped than the Ukrainian government forces. Uh, I think that was generally it. Let me go right here. It says, in response, Poroshenko told troops in the Ukraine capital that no regional government would be allowed to have a pocket army. Again, it could be that this was Poroshenko, who at the time was a U.S. puppet, who was slowly trying to push this into the reality to make it look like it was somebody else, which is my thoughts. The question that everyone is asking now is what will happen to the battalions funded by Kolomoisky, the Aza Battalion and everything else? Well, we know what happened. They got folded in to the military, which it says somewhere later in the show. Okay, so this is 2015. So here in 2019 is what they were saying about Zelensky and Kolomoisky before they were supposed to shift the narrative, right? I think that's because of people like Whitney, myself, and others that have exposed the CIA connection and what's really happening here, that they're building a white supremacist army to blame on the Western, what you know, whatever they want to frame in the context of Republican or conservative, which is not only that, anyone like myself that just challenges the narrative, they'll frame as that. The war on white supremacy and the domestic terrorism issue, that's what I believe is happening. This is the new Syria, the new lie, the new war on terror waged on you. But before that, 2019, this is Radio Free Europe. This is what they were saying, and you're going to find this quite interesting. Now, pay attention to the mentions of people like Kolomoisky. Ukrainian actor Volodymyr Zelensky has achieved fame portraying a president in this TV show, which is broadcast on a channel owned by a man backing his real-life presidential campaign. 
Billionaire Ihor Kolomoisky has provided security, lawyers and vehicles for Zelensky. His bodyguard accompanied Zelensky on the campaign trail. Right out of the gate. This is an oligarch, which first of all is supposed to be a big deal for the U.S. democracy lovers, right? Oh, it's all the oligarchs in Russia, right? Well, what about these oligarchs? Oh, who cares? Right? They don't care about any of it. That's the point. The point here, guys, is that this is an oligarch who bankrolled this fake person. Now, where did what drove that into reality? We know that he's backed by the, the U.S. government, so obviously there's a connection here. So he bankrolled the Zelensky's campaign, gave him cars, gave him protection. This is the guy who was funding the Azov Battalion, right? I mean, we ha- this is what we have to remember. This is not a secret. This guy is the mo- one of the most known oligarchs that was openly funding and creating these neo-Nazi groups. And yet he's the one funding the Jewish president that's supposed to be unable to be, be funding these people because he's Jewish. Like it's just he's obviously a, a sidestep when both of them, in fact, are Jewish. So he is there and they're both involved with funding and arming and controlling the openly neo-Nazi Azov Battalion. Which, by the way, is not really that new, seeing as how even Israel got caught for doing the same thing in 2018. Rights groups demand they stop arming the Azov Battalion. It's right there. We'll come back to it. The car Zelensky uses belongs to a company owned by one of Kolomoisky's companies. And Kolomoisky's lawyer is now working for Zelensky's campaign. When the results of the first round of the election became clear on March 31st, President Petro Poroshenko did not mince his words. Kolomoisky, filmed here in Switzerland in 2018, is an arch foe of Poroshenko and one of the richest men in Ukraine, with holdings in the metal, petroleum and media sectors. He set up Privatbank in the 1990s, which quickly grew to be one of the biggest financial institutions in Ukraine. But in 2016, Poroshenko's government seized control of Privatbank, claiming that billions of dollars were embezzled from it. Kolomoisky denies any wrongdoing and is fighting in court to get Privatbank back. RFERL recorded an off-camera interview with Zelensky about the issue. Very interesting response, by the way, for those for those in the podcast. He's being asked, do you support either compensating Kolomoisky for private bank or returning to him? By the way, private bank, Privat Bank, excuse me, being one of the groups that are you know involved in the funding through Kolomoisky of the Azov Battalion. And his answer is, I don't care about Kolomoisky. That's not that that is what I expect from someone like him who've already seen the way he responds, like when he got confronted by the Azov Battalion on the front line, when he said, I'm 41 years old, I'm the president. It seems like a way a child would act when confronted when they know they're not really in power, right? You're not really in control. You're being controlled by outside forces, and so you're, you know, rightly sensitive about it. <laughs> I don't care about Kolomoisky. It's just a weird response, isn't it? Just my thought. 
And of course, Pravat Bank is currently a state institution. Why would we give him back to him? Okay, good. So you still maintain the funding structure for the Azov Battalion. Perfect. Kolomoisky has himself briefly held public office, becoming governor of his native Dnipropetrovsk region in 2014. It was shortly after mass protests toppled Ukraine's Kremlin-friendly president, Viktor Yanukovych. Now, by the way, we're going to show you a clip from a, a, a Ukrainian general who I played in the beginning, who makes the point that you know Yanukovych was also a puppet, but not necessarily what they wanted, right? Because this is where he gets into the 2014 Ben Swan discussion about whether or not Yanukovych was essentially trying to stop them from controlling those labs. And that's why they had to get him out of the way. So maybe he was to some degree, but he just kind of went afoul. Or maybe Poroshenko in the same light was, you know, there's a lot of ways you could look at this. But ultimately, it comes down to the fact that it's not as simple as they want you to look to see it as, right? Yanukovych. Ну, раз мы идем в Европу, мы хотим, чтобы все реформы, которые должны произойти в стране, они должны соответствовать. Мы должны в результате этих реформ получить страну законодательной, административной базой, такая, как действует в европейских странах. Within months, Kolomoisky was helping to finance volunteer units to fight against Russia-backed separatists. That's the Azov Battalion, amongst the others we listed off. Who had seized control in nearby regions of eastern Ukraine. I love the way they frame it, right? Seized control, which isn't ultimately what happened. But they always want it to sound like some, like, as opposed to them just trying to distance themselves from the openly neo-Nazi U.S. Western-backed controlled government. It's, it's about them trying to take control and seize more area and push into Ukraine. That's not what was happening. He was credited with helping to prevent them from See, advancing into his region. Exactly. Which the idea of that. Now, I'm not going to say that there weren't some entities in the ground and maybe potentially the exact Donbass region that he was also funding. Don't forget that. Right. There's a group they were funding, which is Donbass groups and on the ground, which who knows whether they were allowed in the beginning or whether they were using creating false flags or they're the ones conducting attack. Who knows? That's how these people have been conducting themselves. The bottom line is Donbass very clearly Luhansk and Donetsk, Donetsk regions. Right. As anybody, any expert I've talked to about this group has simply wanted to distance themselves, wanted to have their own independence and to live freely of these entities. Not advancing further into Ukraine. That seems to advance the exact opposite of what they wanted. But critics suggested he was also building a private army. Exactly. You see, here they are laying it at his feet alone. Just this guy, right? Now, once we can paint him as being satellite, being, you know, cozying up to Russia, well, then suddenly it becomes the fault of Russia that these people are neo-Nazis, right? On March 19th, 2015... Armed men occupied the offices of a state-owned oil company in Kiev. Kolomoisky was involved in a struggle for influence at the company called Ukrtransnafta. When he emerged from the building, an RFERL journalist asked what he was doing there. He says, they asked him what he's doing there, which is interesting why they knew he was there. And also note that this is radiosvoboda.org, which is one of the, you know, open white supremacist neo-Nazi political groups in Ukraine. Why aren't you asking about the hostile takeover of his company, he asks. Interesting, right? And that Russian saboteurs have got inside. Why aren't you asking about this? 
interesting, right? It, start, it starts to make you question whether he himself is the scapegoat. Days later, President Poroshenko dismissed him as governor after Kolomoisky offered to step down. Kolomoisky continued his business activities, later moving to Switzerland. Zelensky travelled to Geneva in February 2018 to attend Kolomoisky's birthday party. Right. So let's pretend like they distanced themselves and never met again, right? Nope, right up until 2018. Zelensky's meeting with this person who, I, in my opinion, conti- I mean, if that's the case, guys, th- this person is still involved with what's going on, right? Funding, whatever else. I, I just don't know how, how else to see this. Uh, let's see. The other only, other only point was, here, I'll just finish it. RFERL asked Kolomoisky about his ties with Zelensky. Basically says, you're interrogating me like a policeman, I'm starting to get nervous. And so he's like, changing up his answers. But by checking flight records, RFERL discovered that after that birthday party, Zelensky flew to Geneva another 10 times. Right. I don't think that point means what you think it means in the way you're framing this radio for Europe. So the argument is, well, he flew there a whole bunch of times after that. So it's totally not just about Sklomoisky or that's what's going on every time he flies to that same location. Like, it's funny how you just push in what you want people to think. I believe that's what's happening. I believe there's more connection going on here. And this is a larger agenda and a psychological operation. And you're flying to meet this person over and over and over and over, or at that least is possible. Furthermore, after Kolomoisky moved to Israel, Zelensky flew to Tel Aviv three times between October and December 2018. Exactly. So now uh, Kolomoisky is living in Tel Aviv. And we're not supposed to be suspicious about that. Right? This individual who, who, who holds dual Israeli Ukrainian citizenship, who moved to Tel Aviv after being kicked out or, you know, on paper, moved, pushed away from Ukraine, and he's the one openly funding the Azov Battalion, just like the Israeli government got caught for. And they're the ones that openly funded Zelensky's campaign to run for president. You start to get the picture? It applies to, to then Israel three times after that to meet with not the same person. Swear to God, right? Come on. It's not clear if the two men met on these occasions. It's just ridiculous. So here is the Daily Beast on uh, April 2019. Billionaire Ukrainian oligarch Kolomoisky under investigation by the FBI. And it says the oligarch whose net worth forms places at 1.2 billion lives in Tel Aviv. Still, Still to this day. Law enforcement experts say his residency there could complicate any potential extradition to the United States. Well, what do you know? What a perfect little bow. So here's our central player that we're going to blame it on, but he's over there in Tel Aviv, and so we won't be able to actually get him to find out if it's actually the truth. But we're going to spin you a narrative all day long, though. Just my opinion on that. Brunson pointed to Kolomoisky's role in funding the ultra-far-right Azov Battalion, a group of Ukrainian fighters 
alleged to have ties to American white supremacists. The State Department has called its political wing a nationalist hate group. Oh, you mean that political wing that's right now being supported by the U.S. government openly? Yes, exactly the same one. It's not even different at all. It's right then. The only thing that changed was the head of the Interior Ministry that they pushed to the side because he was openly, openly white, not white supremacist. The same group is the same group. So it's funny that Svoboda and Right Second, all these different groups that they're currently right now supporting and that people like Hannity and all these Western press are pointing at and using as sources are openly white supremacist groups. That's while your government is waging a war on white supremacy, right? As they're funding the same thing over there in Ukraine and blaming it on you. Like you get in the picture, guys, this is very, very, very clear. This stuff is verifiable information that you can check for yourself. Coming from Western press, coming from document, documentable information from them funding these groups. Think about that. Now, here's the, the point that we don't want to forget is that Israel's government has been caught by their own people, openly funding the same group. This is the, this is the as it says, I'll read it, a group of more than 40 human, human rights activists have filed a petition with the High Court of Justice demanding the secession of Israeli armed exports to Ukraine. They cite evidence that the Azov Battalion are basically getting the weapons, right? This is, they, but guess what? They, didn't, they, they just kept doing this. And also they point out, well, it's not even the first time Israel's been caught funding Nazis. That's what they say. This is Haaretz.com, right? Think about how ridiculous that is. So if we can see Israel funding them in 2018, we can see in 2019 that this person essentially moved back to Tel Aviv and continued to do the same thing, and Zelensky continued to meet him there, as Zelensky is the person he funded to come to power. You can't miss this. Talk about follow the month, guys. This is an obvious, obvious reality. Now, don't miss the reality, guys, of what we're talking about in regard to the Israeli government and what they're actually doing. This should not just be about Jewish people or any context of any. Everybody is manipulated in this context, and people can be Jewish, people can be anything. But we need to recognize that that is a central part of this from the Zionist perspective. But we need to remember that the Zionism aspect of this is, the, as we've pointed out many times, are hijacking the idea of Judaism to use for their, go- for their goals. Orthodox Jews in Israel will tell you that. So if you want to just saddle this on just one ethnic group of people, then you're, then you're being deceived. That's always been the case. But the point is that we obviously see a connection between that and the Zionist agenda. But we also have people like Biden himself, who calls himself an open Zionist. I mean, it's crazy because that's what it's really about. So I think we need to recognize the Israeli government playing a central role in this, right? So if when I say that, if all you think is Jewish people play a central role, then you're being deceived. We need to be clear about that. We're watching the Israeli government play a role here. And that's always been a central part of what we're talking about in foreign policy. But the U.S. government is equally playing a central role. This is all an illusion. And they were willing to point it out to you about what a bad person he was right before they started using him as the central, I guess, entity to support as fighting for freedom, except he was moments ago, the connection to the neo-Nazi organizations and oligarchs and everything else, right? Well, here's the tri- the transition, right? After all of that, a Ukrainian billionaire fought Russia, but guys, now he's ready to embrace it. Oops, there we go. Look at that. Now he's over there siding with Russia because that's the plan. That's my opinion, but I think the evidence is pretty damn clear. Here's another effort. Ukrainian, same person, Kolomoisky, who made appearance in Trump's impeachment saga, accused by U.S. of stealing, laundering, and billions. Why did they make the weird sideways connection to Trump? Because it's all about citing Trump 
the conservatives, Putin, and all the rest of it on some kind of neo-Nazi white supremacist entity, though that's going to be the white supremacist problem in our country that was built by Russians and Trump and all that. It's clumsy. There's not really evidence for it, but they want that to happen. I mean, that's undeniable. The Justice Department on Thursday accused a Ukrainian oligarch who has been considered an ally of Ukraine's president of stealing billions of dollars from a bank he once owned. Provok Bank, then using a vast array of companies to launder that money in the United States and all over the world, right? Maybe that's the money that's being used to fund the exact fund groups that we're talking about. And they're trying to kind of shuffle that into another spot. I mean, this is an effort to make it look like something that's not, in my opinion, if that's how the money was being used. But either way, this is Trump's administration that was going after him in this regard. So you could look at it one of two ways. Either This is Trump essentially going after the group that we thought were going to be used because he's not on their side. Or it could be that this is just the agenda to the plan was to go after him. So it looks like he's part of Russia's side. I mean, who knows? Nonetheless, it seems that Trump is being the scapegoat of the whole thing. It says in a civil forfeiture complaint seeking to seize commercial properties in Kentucky and Texas, we just reported the other day, Kolomoisky and his business partner stole so much from Pravat Bank that Ukraine's national bank had to give the institution $5.5 billion stave off economic crisis, or that was just another transfer of wealth from the Ukrainian people as they use that money to fund their agenda, which is exactly what keeps happening. Here's Wikipedia. Kolomoisky is a Ukrainian-Israeli Cypriot billionaire. Kolomoisky is of Jewish origin. Down here it says, Kolomoisky has a triple Ukraine-Israel-Cypress citizenship, despite there literally being a law against that in Ukraine. (laughs) Right. Think about that. And all he does is go, well, the, the, the Constitution prohibits double citizenship, but I've got three, so no big deal. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. So, so, you're, so you're not only breaking the law, you just pretend like it doesn't matter, even though you're this, this is a manipulation. I can't see past that. And down here it says, his, oh, that's uh, just on top of all of that, Kolomoisky's son, his name is Israel. <laughs> just, just to make that even more on the nose. His name is Israel Z.V. Kolomoisky. His first name is Israel. I just think it's just, come on. This is obviously a connection and obviously tied to the Israeli government, which is obviously also funding the other battalion. You can't miss that. Now, let's watch this full, I guess, the parts that I wanted you to see of what this Ukrainian general revealed back in 2014. It's quite interesting what he has to say. For those in the podcast, I don't want to, um, this is a couple minutes, a few minutes long. I don't want to read the whole thing. So if you'd like to check out the video, the link will be in the show notes as always. But basically it's the same thing we played in the beginning where he's simply telling you, I declared anybody watching this, that right now the government is a CIA puppet institution, that they are being controlled by the U.S. government. That's what he says. And then he goes on to, by name, mention Kolmoisky. As exactly what we're talking about. And then also mentions exactly what the other parts we're discussing and the ties to the Israeli government. There's everything else we're getting into on top of that, that he believes that the Russian people, or specifically the Ukrainian people, in, in a large way, want to be part of Russia. Not the entire country of Ukraine, but just a lot of people in Ukraine that are running away from the parts that we're talking about. Very interesting. Now, take it for what you will. This could be manipulated like anything else except for the fact that it's backed up by a lot of other people on the ground continuing to say the same thing, which also could be lies, right? But there's only so many things you can continue to dismiss without having evidence to prove that it's not true. Mr. 
господин Чернобок. И же с ними. Я это заявляю открыто и достоверно знаю, что это проплаченные агенты Центрального разведуправления США. Кроме того, господин Яценюк является первым заместителем главы масонской ложи в Украине. А главой масонской ложи, если кому-то неизвестно. That's also important, by the way, and also the head of the Masonic Lodge. For those who try to dismiss those things, there's always been an interesting connection to the history of what that actually means. It doesn't have to be the most monumental connection, but it means something. It goes all the way back to the foundation of this country. So, I mean, I forget, he's talking about uh, all the different names and individuals. He talks about Tony Book, he talks about Kolomoisky, and the rest of these central players. Если кому-то неизвестно, является господин Пинчук, взять господина Кучмы. И все вот эти вот обманы, которые производились, и все команды. As I said a moment ago, the video is from 2014. Господин Янукович, это просто марионетка в руках господина Пинчука, Кучмы и Кравчука. Они же его и продали, они же ему давали команды не то пускай Беркут, то не пускай Беркут, то пусть штурмуют, то пусть не штурмуют. А потом, когда людям в конце концов было разрешено взять оружие в руки, их подло предали. В первую очередь это дело рук господина. So basically what he's insinuating here, if I'm, if I'm understanding it correctly, is that even Yanukovych was a puppet to some degree, but he wasn't really going along with the narrative or the agenda, and that they gave him direction on when to step up and, and, and you know, pick up arms. But he was betrayed, which I think we saw. So they picked up arms and were ultimately framed as the perpetrators, which, by the way, the evidence backs up. So, and, and this is a Ukrainian general telling you the same. Кравчука и господина Кучмы. Это их дело. Потому что мало кому известно, что господина Кучму после победы, так называемой победы помаранчевой революции, не тронули благодаря господину Пинчуку. Американцы вернули ему деньги, то есть сняли арест его счетов, и он себе спокойно живет. А то, что после того, как продали господина Януковича. Я не говорю, что он хороший, я не его поклонник. Он не женщина, чтобы я его любил или ненавидел. Но он был во многом неправ, хотя он действительно остается легитимным президентом. Хотим мы этого или не хотим. Хотят этого бандерологи вонючие или не хотят. Я... Мне уже надоело слушать, не слушать, оскорблять человека любой может. Но прежде всего надо разобраться, что побудил, какова причина. Ведь мало кто знает, что основной беспредел творил господин Ахметов Ренат Леонидович, господин Коломойский, глава Всемирного еврейского конгресса. Господин Фирташ и же с ними. Все вот эти олигархи. Discussing them all as oligarchs, which we know. 
Вначале это выглядело, как обычно, два клана дрались за кормушку, как было в 2005 году. А теперь это просто прямое... And now this is simply the direct occupation of Ukraine by the U.S. Now, of course, he could be wrong. You shouldn't just blindly take what he says because it sounds like what you already agree with. You should question it. You should do your due diligence as always. But there is far too much evidence to ignore what actually happened on to in 2014. It's undeniable. This is just one more part adding to that undeniability. Now, obviously, that's my opinion, guys, but the point is nonetheless that there's evidence, not just hypothetical thoughts, but evidence roundly. And I could just, I should just play that part, clip that one part again. I think I can jump to it. I'm trying to remember if I have, oh no, I have, I'll, I'll try to jump to that one part after we're done with this, just to get, just to hear that one clip again. I always play the longer clip and it takes too long. Хватит сил за себя постоять. Но вот супруга моя осталась там. И не только супруга. Есть очень много людей, которые хотят ее припнуть. Очень много людей хотят просто помощи от России, дабы очистить Святую Русь от нашествия красно-коричневого чумы американских сионистов yeah. he talks about americans and zionists right so i mean th this is exactly what i did genuinely is going on in my opinion and as he says right next i'm not an anti-semite which of course we always point out that's not even genuine like understanding what a semite actually is changes the whole meaning of this just like everything else that's misused in the context of this but the point is he's simply saying i'm not what they would call me Right? He's not saying I hate Jewish people. He's simply pointing out that the Zionist problem is obvious in this in this whole discussion. I'm a man brought up in the spirit of Soviet internationalism. He says, but I'm, I let the people not hate I don't have any hatred towards ordinary Jews. Они ни в чем не Они также терпят от своих магнатов, так называемых ортодоксальных иудейских организаций, хасидов, в частности организаций. You cannot decouple the Jewish part of the idea from Zionism and how it's being manipulated. But it's the same way you could point to what's happening in this country. How people who, you could show an obvious, like during Trump's administration was far more obvious. How they were really tapping into this Christian, meant the you know, the conservative Christian meant the grouping out there, right? But the point was that, that you could show that people were using the Christian ideology to push in policy that didn't really care about Christian ideals like i would argue people like trump or pompeo right it's the same idea it's a means to an end that are used and yes it's it's been wildly successful by the zionists but that's what he's telling you here as well that it's more so about the political manipulation of it о запрещении Московского Патриархата, запрет 
русского языка на Украине. Вплоть до уголовного преследования. Это все дело рук ультраправых при поддержке американских фашистов, скажем так. With the support of American fascists, I can't call them otherwise. The world of world imperialism, guys. Please see how this ties in with everything we're talking about about the Great Reset and everything else. Now, just because that does that doesn't mean you should blindly follow it. Do your due diligence. Look into this, like I have. The reality is simply this: that it's exactly what we have been seeing everywhere else. This is 2014. I think that was it, right? Yeah. Now, let me see where we are. I think we should be reasonably good here. I'm going to jump over to a UN document. Arbitrary detention, torture, and ill treatment in the context of armed conflict in eastern Ukraine. Now, you're not going to be surprised what it discusses. Now, it all, it goes into both sides, essentially. It talks about the Donbass region and the specific centers in that area. But it also goes on to talk about the rest of it. And you're going to find it quite a bit contradictory to what we're being told from Western press. Right? In fact, not even told, ignored by Western press. They're not even talking about the history. If you point out to people been suffering in Donbass up until this point, they'll call you a fake news conspiracy theorist or somehow a racist for defending the fact that they've been attacked by the openly racist Ukrainian government. But what's interesting, as I'm closing some of these tabs real quick, I think that's good. It was interesting. Sorry, I lost my spot there. There we go. Is that it ultimately shows you, as I keep pointing out, that they have this stuff on the record. They knew it was there, and now they just don't care. They just act like it never happened, and you're fake news for even pointing to it. But here is a UN document that discusses it. And from the beginning of it to now, or rather 2021. 2014 to 2021. Now, just to rec recognize, it says right in the beginning, the executive summary, that this is about the whole area. Ukraine in general. And it goes on to talk about the Donetsk People's Republic. It also talks about Luhansk. And it says in general that it focuses on two main case studies of conflict-related arbitrary detention, torture, and ill-treatment. One is, guess what? Kharkiv Regional De Department of the specific security service of Ukraine. And the second is the specific detention center in Donetsk. Now, one thing you should be very clear about is that one specific detention center in Donetsk is quite a bit different than the security service of Ukraine and their central regional department and how they openly tortured people in that location. Then they also recognize that the claims you're getting from Donetsk and different late places are coming from people controlled from Ukraine. I can go into a lot of different things if you can read through this for yourself. But Let's get into what it says. Under perpetrators, this is the UN telling you they've identified a broad range of government actors engaged in conflict-related arbitrary detention and torture and ill-treatment, including SBU, that's the Ukrainian Special Services, SBU, various units, often unspecified, of the Ukrainian Armed Forces, the UAF, National Guard, that's Azov Battalion, National Police, Azov Battalion, State Border Guard Services, potentially in some part, Volunteer Battalions, also the Azov Battalion, before and after their formal incorporation into the Armed Forces of Ukraine, National Guard or National Police, both the same idea, and then just lists off all the battalions that are also the same thing. 
most of them funded by Kolomoisky, tied directly back to Zelensky. Azov Battalion, Dnipro 1, Dnipro 2, Donbass Battalion, Kharkiv 1, specifically Kharkiv, they're calling them that, and other armed units which took part in hostilities or were present in Donetsk and Luhansk regions in the context of armed conflict without being formally incorporated into this group. So there's plenty of others they just don't even include. And then it says groups such as the right sector. Okay, what are they saying? In prominent role that the SBU played in conflict-related arbitrary detention, torture, ill-treatment, could be attributed to the fact that it coordinated the ATO investigated crimes under this article. I guess it says lacked oversight. So basically, they're too stupid to know they broke the law. I can't even believe they would put that in there. So they're, they're giving them an out. These open neo-Nazis just weren't aware they were breaking the law, so let's just ignore it. That's not really what it's saying, but that's how I read that. But let's go on to what it says. Places of detention. So just be clear, by the way, they just made it very clear that they were guilty of torture, arbitrary detention, and now it goes into the detention itself. Former conflict-related detainees informed the UN. The Well, specifically here, just so we can see this, by the way, this is... Oops. United Nations Human Rights... Office of the High Commissioner. That's what the OHCHR stands for, but it's the United Nation. Now it says former conflict-related detainees informed the UN that they were arbitrarily held in Ukrainian special services administrative premises, such as Kharkiv and other ones they list off, which I won't try to pronounce except for Mariupol. So let's not miss how the UN, right up until 2021, is making sure you understand that Mariupol is one of the locations where open neo-Nazi groups are arbitrarily detaining and torturing people inside of Ukraine, as well as Donbass region individuals. But let's not, let's pretend like Mariupol is totally not under this control of those same people moments later who are hurting them and blaming on Russia right now. It also goes on to say administrative premises. So these are government buildings, guys, and it lists them off. Military bases of conflict zones used by the, U, the actual official forces of the Ukrainian government or the SBU or their volunteer battalions and Mariupol airports themselves. Permanent military bases in the conflict zone, ad hoc bases shared by battalions and SBU, basically everywhere, torturing, arbitrary detention. That's what they're doing. It also says, guess what, guys? Shield your ears, you know, earmuffs, because guess what? Openly claimed by the UN that the Ukrainian military are using schools. In Mariupol, of all places, such as school number 61, which is literally referenced in one of the places we've already talked about. The most well-known unofficial detention facility run by the SBU from 2014 all the way to 2016 was the premises of none other than the Kharkiv Regional Department, which has a huge specific bio lab that's tied into the whole discussion. But nonetheless, guys, the real point here is that they're using schools, not Broken old schools that aren't being used. But number 61 school in Mariupol, which is a, cur- a huge school to detention, to detain people, to torture people. But we're going to balk at the fact that they would use the schools now for military outposts, right? Because that's crazy fake news, because how dare you? This is the United Nations pointing out that they did that. But yeah, whatever. It's all fake news, though. Okay, here it is under... Specifically, the Mariupol airport, but says independent human rights monitors generally did not have access to these premises, right? These, like the Karakiv Regional De- Department, right? So independent human rights organizations aren't even allowed to look to find out whether or not they are doing the things they're accusing them of. And it says delays that allowed the temporary reloca- relocation of detainees. So bottom line is they ultimately found out that what they did was made them delay 
So when they came, they just shuffled people around to somewhere else. This has been found out. For example, the Kharkiv military prosecutor investigated allegations of the existence of a secret detention facility on the premises of the SBU Kharkiv Regional Department and visited the premises in March 2015, but just found empty cells. Because guess what? They were found out to be removing them from their cells by SBU officers and temporary place in the basement. Oh, basements of all places sound familiar. Like the basements we're seeing them hold civilians in Mariupol right now and claiming they're not being held against their will. That is the SBU. That's the, that is the central group right now that's leading the charge for freedom, right? The service, the security services of Ukraine. No, this is the of battalion detaining, torturing, and holding against the will of people in Ukraine. Inhumane and degrading to such an extent that it permanently damaged the physical and mental health of detainees. Right, so that's that happened just moments ago, but they would never do it today, right? By 2017, uh, technically this isn't just moments ago, but the point is this ha- took place all the way until 2021 at the very least. By 2017, all these facilities stopped holding conflict-related detainees, with, of course, the exception of their sanatorium, they call it, in Donetsk. The one place where it really matters because they continued carrying on horrible atrocities to the Donbass people, which have been roundly shown by people on the ground, independent journalists, and even now the UN making sure we know that they maintain the one place in the Donetsk region of all of them that continued to carry on torture and arbitrary detention, which is what they're talking about, guys. Calling it a sanatorium of all things. How much you want to bet they're doing far more than just detention. We're talking about the places that we're discussing, guys, the COVID stuff, the biolab stuff, and it's called the sanatorium of all things. Come on. Here's the Mariupol airport. In 2014, they're talking about it, but realize it's still under the control of the same Azov battalion today. This is where they were training those civilians and old women that they tried to frame as positive before we blew up the narrative and exposed they were armed by the CIA. Mariupol airport was turned into a military base used by the Ukrainian forces, the SBU, and the Azov battalion. And parts of this premises were used as a detention facility. The Mariupol airport. Right now, it's a place of freedom where people are trying to flee to be protected, right? Torture. Ill treatment. Detainees were not informed of the reasons for their arrest. Detained access to legal counsel. Denied, excuse me. Or contact the outside world. Sound like a democracy to you? Basement room, uh, Detainees were held in basement rooms without windows. The absence of ventilation made breathing difficult, resulting in some detainees losing consciousness. That's exactly what we're hearing today from these people. Not regularly provided food or water, or sometimes denied access to the toilet, several detainees described hearing the screams of others being tortured. Reported being subject to torture and ill treatment to extract confessions or to obtain information. These aren't just people from Donbass, guys. These are people from Ukraine. In most place cases, perpetrators wore baklavas. Yeah, that sounds off. That's exactly what we're seeing all of them wear today, which is a small point, but it matters, allowing them to remain anonymous, forcing a detainee to dig his or her own grave. Bottom line, it says that during his visit to Ukraine in June 2015, the United Nations Assistant Secretary General for Human Rights attempted to gain access to the Mariupol airport. Right, a gigantic airport that is supposed to be I mean, this isn't some fringe small group. This is a Mariupol airport, and this is the United Nations General Secretary for Human Rights, but was denied entrance by the Azov Battalion. Think about that. But then, 2017, they visited territory of the airport, but did not find signs of its premises were still used as a detention facility, of course, because that gave them two years to shift away to something else. But the point is, 
they went there to look and they got denied access. And it's still just, here we are today. This is the United Nations. There's plenty more in this report, guys. Now, obviously, I should point out that there's reports of things they claim happened in Donetsk. And that's, that's important. But we're not talking about that in the context of what's happening in Ukraine right now. Right. We're, what, the bottom line is, guys, the very group that your tax dollars are currently supporting, they're still sending weapons to are open neo-Nazi groups that committed atrocities in their own people, including people in the Donbass region. That's on the record. And why that wouldn't matter to people that are currently screaming, I stand with Ukraine is beyond me. Now, here's Biden saying something I don't think he thought through. Thinking, not realizing, I guess, as Webb puts it, the ice cream brain president, that he is towing a narrative that's sort of now been exploded. Biden told Europe his big lie about Nazi American lynch mobs carrying tiki torches, right? These guys. Remember these guys? Yeah, that's Charlottesville. Remember what we talked about Charlottesville? The reality was that this is directly, and I don't mean like this is open. They are the Rise Above Movement, the international arm of the Azov Battalion. That's a fact. And even the, even as I pointed out, Mr. Now talking with the, well, this guy's, it was before, it doesn't matter. The point is this guy's considered an expert in the context of Western press, and he makes it very clear that the Azov's political wing has gone international. On multiple fronts, Germany, Italy, and the Rise Above movement in America. This was in the Jan- this was January 2022. This was written, so it's very easy to point out. So if this group is what he's talking about, saying they're our biggest threat, I'll play the clip. Even though we know, as a matter of fact, that they are the arm of the Azov Battalion in the United States, and we know, as a matter of fact, that the Azov Battalion has continued to be armed and funded and manipulated by the CIA, openly, or I shouldn't say openly, funded by U.S. Congress while they pretend that's not what happened. I'll show you that next. Because Biden is still towing the line, whether he knows it or not, that they've sort of shifted, or rather the narrative has been exposed. There is a presidential election coming up in 2024, and as you know, there are white... Yes, that's true. (laughs) And uh, there are widespread concerns in Europe that um, a figure like your predecessor, maybe even your predecessor himself, might uh, get elected president again. Um, So um, are there any steps, anything uh, you are trying to do, and NATO is trying to do here these days, to prevent what you're trying to do uh, becoming undone two years from now? Thank you. No, I, that's not how I think of this. I've been dealing with foreign policy for longer than anybody that's involved in this process right now. I have no concerns about the impact. I, I made a commitment when I ran this time. I wasn't going to run again, and I mean that sincerely. I had no intention of running for president again. But he is, though, right? Yeah, right. Come on. How many times we fall for this stupid game where Clinton goes, I have no, I have no intention to run. I don't know. I haven't even thought about it. And then two days later, we're going to run. Oh, and you find out, oh, they've been planning for a, a year and a half. Yeah, but they, oh, I haven't even thought about it. It's just, just, it's such an illusion. All of them. They're all ridiculous. We know you plan to run, Biden. We already knew that. Everybody knew that. Like, just stop playing these games. And uh, until I saw those folks coming out of the fields in 
Virginia carrying torches and carrying Nazi banners and literally singing the same vile rhyme that they used in Germany in the early 20s. Okay, so wait a minute. So Biden didn't decide to run again until he saw the thing that happened back then. Right. So here, let me, let me get make sure I got the date exactly right. Oops. Okay. This was August 2017. If I remember correctly, Donald Trump was president when that happened, right? Okay. Just making sure we're clear. Okay. So Biden is telling you. Oh, here I, I wasn't showing it. Not, not that it matters. You can hear just you can hear I said it, but just so we're clear. So Trump was president when that happened. And that's what he's pointing at. And I'll, I'll, he'll, he'll make it more clear in a moment. So what he just said, this is the stupid thing that Biden, Biden just said, he didn't decide to run again until that happened. So explain for me how you decided to run again before you'd even run the first time, <laughs> right? Talk about mush brain, right? That's ridiculous. Regardless, though, his claim that he's saying is he's pointing at those people as the reason he has to stop Trump. Except that was a group that was funded by the CIA and tied to the Aza Battalion, which you're currently supporting. You see how ridiculous this is? People that don't want to see this right now are children, because this is, this is more obvious than COVID-19 right now. It's crazy stupid. Listen to him again. Our 30s, I should say. See banners. Those... I ran this time. I wasn't going to run again. And I mean that sincerely. I had no intention of running for president again. And uh, until I saw until I saw those folks coming out of the fields in Virginia, carrying torches and carrying Nazi banners and literally singing the same vile rhyme that they used in Germany in the early 20s. Right. So in 2017, you decided to run for the second time before you ran the first time. Right. Or 30s, I should say. And um, and then when. The gentleman you mentioned was asked what he thought, and a young woman was killed, a protester. And he asked, was asked what he thought. Uh, he said, they're very good people on both sides. Okay, so that's undeniable. We know that that was what they're talking about, Trump, in regard to that, that, the, the whole thing. Now, what's, what's funny about that, though, is they really try to make this— Oh, uh, Here, I'll go back to this. This group was one group inside of this thing. Right. There there were a lot of other people that just like with the same. This is the same thing they tried to do to January 6th. The same thing they tried to do with the trucker rally. Start to see the continuity here. These people were shouting things that were racist and gross, and you can call them out for it. Okay, there was a lot of other people that were not part of that. Right. So it's just that dumb to continue. to. So Trump says there were good people on both sides. That's the most opaque milk toast statement of all time. But see, they didn't get what they wanted from him. They wanted him to say they're good and uh, they're bad. Because they clearly were trying to blame him and that they did anyway. So they chose to be, oh, oh, I didn't realize I was cutting off the thing on my, sorry, I shouldn't even point that out right now. I'm noticing that the thing is cut off, but the whole point was to lay it at his feet, in my opinion. Just like with the trucker, the convoy, they said, they're all Nazis, right? And that's, that was so clearly not true. But they just went with it anyway. And now, and now we're even going to show you at the end, there are people in Canada that are literally being arrested as politicians simply because they supported the convoy. There is a plan here, right? 
And that's when I decided I wasn't going to be quiet any longer. And when I ran this time, and I think the American press, whether they look at me favorably or unfavorably, acknowledge this, I made a determination. Nothing is worth, no election is worth my not doing exactly what I think is the right thing. Okay, wait, I take it back now. I'm wondering if he is discussing, am I blanking on, he ran before that. Okay, maybe I'm incorrect on that point, regardless. <laughs> it's just so, so easy to, to point out his, his gaffes. He could be discussing when he ran before, and then this is the second time. In any, in any case, the point was how he's currently now focusing on the idea, or then was then and currently still is today, focusing on the Charlottesville point, which is meant to be the focal point despite the fact that we now know that's directly tied to the CIA. Not a joke. I'm too long in the tooth to fool with this any longer. And so we're a long way off in elections, a long way off. My focus, if any election, is on making sure that we retain the House and the United States Senate so that I have the room to continue to do the things that I've been able to do in terms of grow the economy and deal in a rational way with American foreign policy and lead the world yeah just just like he said deal in an irrational way with foreign policy <laughs> now he said rational i'm sure but i heard what i wanted to hear he i mean it's it's just that obviously we need to control everything so we can maintain our continually fluctuating policy that never change i mean the idea that they control the houses it never mean anything your illusion of two-party politics needs to be dispelled by now so he is telling you that it's all about those people with their torches. Well, I'll include this yet again, verifiable facts. You cannot deny these facts. U.S. Congress made sure the Azov Battalion would get U.S. arms in 2016. All the links for all these images are right down here, so you can check them for yourself. Despite how the Western press continues to say this with, I guess, either not knowing they're stupid or choosing to lie to you, that Congress made sure that we didn't fund those people, that's why we knew, no. Congress removed the ban. They removed it. In 2016, they removed the ban, allowing, making sure that, fun, that funds and arms went directly to the Aza Battalion. You know why? Because pressure from the Pentagon. Well, obviously, because they're building one of their forces over this. This is undeniable, guys. This is meant to be quiet. So they made sure that your tax dollars went directly to the Aza Battalion in 2016, right? The CIA has trained them since 2015. There's been two different people now and two different on the record, eight, eight uh, former and current CIA operators, Yahoo News and two different reports telling you a covert CIA training program for exactly the groups we're talking about. The Special Operations Forces, Intelligence, launched by Obama in 2015. We've proven this to you. They are supporting, arming, and funding the Aza Battalion, as long with the rest of them. On top of that, the FBI verified the Azov Battalion is neo-Nazi, which we shouldn't be balking at now, and is immersed with the government, and that those in Charlottesville are their U.S. faction. I just showed you that. 100% their international arm. And we've, and, and we've also discussed this in, a, in the that other Jacobin article, where this is on the record, where Olen, Olena, I believe is her name, the, the head of the National Corps, which is the open neo-Nazi mil, political party, had met with them in person, the Rise Above movement, met with them on, on Zoom call meetings or whatever they used. Here is the FBI document, a post containing a photograph of the Rise Above movement members during their trip to where? Germany, Ukraine, Italy, 
Oh, this is the, the point I was referencing right here. The point is that these all locations of where they're telling you the international arm of this group is. And they met with Olina Semenkia, the leader of the International Department for National Corps, which is a political party in the Ukraine that was founded in 2016 out of a regiment of the Azov Battalion. So right now, that group, the National Corps is still there. So is Svoboda. These people are, these are political parties and your Western press just can't connect those dots. Yeah, I doubt it. It says, I know this FBI agent that the Azov Battalion is a paramilitary unit of the Ukrainian National Guard, which is known for its association with neo-Nazi ideology and have participated in training and radicalizing U.S. white supremacy groups. The reason they wanted this on the record is because they weren't showing you the CIA connection yet because it wasn't supposed to be revealed. The bottom line is they were been there before that ever started. So when Biden points at that just them and says they're the problem and Trump and stuff, it's a clumsy narrative and they've already been exposed. Now, here is another discussion I have with Whitney on the same point where she brings up a really interesting point about a group called the base, which apparently is the trans is the uh, is tr- uh, Al Qaeda translated. And, and, and this is a group that is being created right now or being led and being pointed at as the rising white supremacy movement. They're trying to blame it on Russia in this context, except he used to work for the State Department and the DHA. I mean, it's ridiculous. We talked about it in this interview. The guy is on the record who previously working for the U.S. government and intelligence. And yet now he's being blamed as the leader of the white supremacy group that's being blamed, blamed, on, blamed on Russia. I mean, come on, guys. As I, It's called January 6th, Azov Battalion and the war on domestic terrorism slash you. Here's another one where we just discussed this January 6th, the failed false flag meant to blame Russia and you using CIA grown Azov Battalion. I believe that. I believe what was taking place on January 6th was a potentially an effort to frame Russia specifically, but blame it on Trump and conservatives and you for their building white supremacy, neo-Nazi, domestic threat terrorism idea. There were Ukrainians on the ground, we've already proven this, who were screaming things in Russian. Even the Western press pointed this out. I mean, watch the full show for yourself. It's undeniable. This was a clear effort. Then we know that a Democratic staffer on January 6th committee was also part of the intel effort to help Biden out of the Hunter jam. Now, it's all coming out right now that we're seeing the information around, I believe, uh, oh, we might get into it in a minute. I'll see how we're on time. This Hunter Biden's investment fund connected to financing a Pentagon-funded biolabs in Ukraine. Of course, according to Russia, so therefore fake news in the Western press, because that's just how they roll. Immediately dismissed, if we don't like the way it looks. But the top Democratic staffer on the Capitol Riot Select Committee was among dozens of former intelligence officials who signed a letter in October 2020 claiming without evidence that the Hunter Biden laptop story was part of Russian operation, which we now know 100% is fake news. Easily. They admitted themselves that the laptop is real. Think about how obvious that is and how we now the things they tell us are 100% Russia fake news could at the very least be another lie. I don't know why we can't factor that in. David Buckley, who was formerly the CIA inspector general, shocking, I know, is the staff director for the select committee to investigate January 6th. It says White House won't say if Biden stands by laptop disinfo claims. Right. They're just hoping you put it down and forget about it. They lied to you then. They're lying to you now. And the people involved with that lie are also people on the January 6th committee. You starting to see the continuity? Hopefully so. Now, let's talk about who these people really are and what we've seen on the ground in contrast to what Ukraine yells in the Western press reports without due diligence. 
Here's Patrick Lancaster showing you continually what he's seeing on the ground, and you should question it. The reality, though, <laughs> is it's pretty hard to miss. Oh, look at that. That's awesome to see. The uh, Finally, Brooke Jackson information breaking through, 1.2 million views. Six-minute video by BMJ. Great job. I recommend you watch our interviews if you want to go deep on it. But, of course, you know, it, it's, it's frustrating that things like that I, I don't, I, you know, think about how hard that was, even for the British Medical Journal, to get that to break through. And the only reason I argue that's finally getting mass reach is because people are focusing on Ukraine now. They won't even pretend that broke through. Anyway, coming back, Mariupol Human Shield Special Report, Russia Ukraine War. Uh, Mariupol. And- uh, we made it to an apartment block here in uh, Mariupol, and it's a very hard uh, situation. The, the people are living hell here. So it says, stop Zelensky, stop it for the children, for month, for mothers, for old people, stop it. Who shoots from here? Here used to stand Ukrainian tanks right under the house. It will shoot, and they'll probably see the tank and start shooting at the house. There is artillery over there. There, did you see that? On the ninth floor, they jumped out with a child, and an old pensioner was pulled out from the ninth floor. And while there were still people there, they pulled him out on a stretcher. We have a medical girl here. Do you see that everything is falling? Everything is falling because of the wind. The medical girl worked in hospital number two, so the third house was on fire, and she says she went and stole a wheelchair to transfer the woman who there on the first floor on the fire. The guys went, put her in a wheelchair, and brought her here to the third floor. She's lying here. She doesn't walk. She was brought here. The girl said that Russian guys helped her to steal a wheelchair. To steal. Do you understand? I became a thief at the age of 70. I have worked as a trolley bus driver for 40 years. Everybody knows me here. The whole city knows me. I worked on all routes. Everybody who meets me addresses me as Petrovka. Grandma. Everyone knows me. And you see, I've always calmed people down. That's what, that's what it means to work as a driver for 40 years, and now I can't do anything. I've worked on all the routes around the city. It's a small city here, you know, and now I've become a homeless person. I've worked for 40 years, and Ukraine gave me a pension of 1,500, uh, whatever that's, that, the, not the denomination. Our smart people went to, Ru- it says, our smart people went to Russia, and they received 15,000. You can count it on our, uh, count it on our money. And I didn't go anywhere. And I got Ukrainian pension of 1500 She drops the F-bomb from these effing negative word. Says, can you tell me where did the Ukrainian shoot from? It says, you can see the traces as they drove here. Were they Ukrainians? Yes, Ukrainians. Look, they used to stand here. You can see the destruction from what they did. They used to stand on this yard here. Look at what they've done. Guys, I mean, this is like the hundredth person from different locations, different outlets. It says, look, they used to stand there between these buildings. They used to drive around here, over there on the first floor. A shell landed and killed a guy. He's still living there, dead now. Yes, on the first floor, a dead guy is still lying there. They will catch them. 
Do you know what Azov is? Yes, and it was them. Yes, Ukrainian tanks were here. We have heard that Azov were at the roof of the building. Guys, by the way, this goes back and forth between Patrick and her talking. Is that true? She says, yeah, they were on the roof of the neighboring house. They didn't come up to us. The commander came looking for them. He said, there are three of our people here. Now, this is relevant for what we're going to show you in a minute about showing you them leaving munitions on the roof of civilian locations. One person points out that's potentially a setup to get Russia to bomb civilian locations, making it look like there's military locations. Just a, it, that's just a thought. You, could, you should question it like everything else. She goes on to say, can you see all this? We had such a beautiful alley here. The kindergarten was just renovated for children. It was done for two years. Look, everything has been destroyed. All of it. For what? And her point is, this is the Azov Battalion destroying these buildings. Who will restore all of this? How far are the Ukrainians now? We don't see Ukrainians, only these guys. Come on, I'll show you where. I'll show them. And she, by the way, she's talking about the Azov Battalion, right? Because the idea here, guys, is these are a lot of these people on the ground. These are not, these are outside entities, right? I'll show them, let them go. I'll let the pass there. I'm telling you, these are some guys standing there in the entrance eating porridge. You cross the road and there are others eating porridge. That's the whole war. Different guy now. Anyway, I'm going to jump to the next one, seeing as how we're a little long. I wanted to get, it's always shorter than I can. But these are these are people from Mariupol telling people, out, whoever will listen, that they have been attacked and starved and threatened and used by the Ukrainian military. Here's his channel, by the way. You can watch these for yourselves. Refugees exposed Mariupol war crimes on the Russia-Ukraine war. Where are you from? From Mariupol. He says, what are you doing here? We were evac- evicted, she says. The military came and said it's not safe to stay in our houses, so we had to leave our home. They brought us here. It says, with our children. They said we should take everything we need and leave the building if we value our lives. They showed us the safe way across the city of Mariupol. Every, everywhere there we saw the Russian military and Chechen guys. Okay, well, that doesn't sound a lot like what they're claiming. So they're escorting civilians in wartime, not through corridors, in open wartime war zones, and they're escorting civilians out of the area. How in the world does that sound like a group that would be openly bombing into Kiev without any indication of who they're hitting? Why would they take the time to escort civilians out of an area if this is real, if that's what they claim they're doing? Uh, here, I think I, well, it's a part I want to show you here. Okay, it says, thank God they warned us. What military, he asked? The Russian military. The white identification marks. They warned us that today there will be a big fight and it's unsafe to stay in our house. We were in the basement. Right. These people are all being sh- pushed into these basement locations, in some cases by force, in some cases because they're just trying to hide because the Ukrainian military is telling them, they're lying to them, is what we've heard from most people. So the Russian military comes in there and says, look, you're not safe here. Let us escort you into this location that's under our control where we give you food and medicine and whatever else. That's what's happening right here. How in the world you can disregard this without finding out whether this is happening is, is, un, is disgusting and despicable. Because as far as I can tell and everything I've done and all my due diligence, this is very clearly happening. You could argue both are happening, but I would like to make sense of that. Both as in also just bombing civilians for no reason. We can prove that Ukraine's been doing that to people regularly. And she goes on to say, they helped us. They treated our children with gingerbread cookies, water, juice. They gave us a piece of advice and then went down to the sea. This is my daughter. And then they brought us here after the checkpoint. 
What are your next plans? She says, frankly speaking, I'm shocked. I don't even know how you can plan. When you left without a home, without money, the city's almost completely destroyed. How to move on? I had my home. Let's see. I think that was... In our city, it started March 1st. If we're talking about shelling near our house, the shell hit the annex to our house. We woke up to a heavy explosion. The ground trembled. The shell hit from our side. It was the bedroom of my children. It was uh, 1.20 a.m. I just grabbed the children. I think there's one more part I wanted to show you in here. She's just basically describing what happened to them, which is really sad. All of this happening until the Russian government came in and escorted them to safety. It's as simple as that. If this is real, and you should question it. The point is, though, you'll get to the reality that what they're discussing is their perception of who is actually bombing them. But in the interest of time, please watch these for yourself. Patrick is continuing to knock it out of the park. And people are watching these, guys. People are watching these. Here's another one. Can you tell me what the situation is here? Comparing to Mariupol, it is fine here. We are refugees from Mariupol. Our house was bombed. We were running away from shells with two wounded in our arms. We were welcomed here. It is warm and we are fed. They're in Russia-controlled territory. This is what we have at the moment. And there are no shelling here? She says, yes, no shelling here. And how was it like in Mariupol? Very scary. She says, how long have you been here? We've been here for one day. In Mariupol, we have been sitting under the shelling for three weeks. Why didn't you evacuate before? There were no evacuations before. That's lies. We've already, they, they don't know that. But even the Western press was forced to admit that they, the Ukraine said we won't allow them to be evacuated into Russian territory because they claim Russia is going to hurt them. Clearly not. Now, not just because of these videos, but because of everything else I've shown you. My point is this, guys. They're not being allowed to evacuate. And this is being shown even by their own re- coverage. All they do is just claim, well, Russia bad, so we can't. But that's not the truth. At first, there was no evacuation. No one organized them. At least that's what they were told. Then we sat in a house, and when they were heavy shelling, we were just afraid to leave the house. Now, who's doing the shelling? Now, it could be Russia, sure. But why would they be shelling an area that they're then going in to evacuate people? It just doesn't make sense. Now, we also have plenty of evidence, as that woman just told you, that she watched the Ukrainian military do the shelling. There was no light, no water, no gas, no phone connection, but they're not being allowed to leave. This is exactly what we're telling you. Then it says, was Mariupol under the control of the Azov Battalion? Can't tell you for sure. I don't know the military situation. Partly Azov, partly Russia. Unfortunately, I have no answer to these questions. I can see you have many children. Is it so? Uh, I have one child and my child suffered uh, suffer from shelling. She has a shrapnel wound. And you can see that this could be, you should be questioning all of this. I keep telling you. But the continuity of this the connections through all of this is impossible. They are impossible to miss. Here's another one. Church and school targeted by militants in this war. He said that there are no troops in Mariupol. It's okay. Everything is fine. And when I left there, they already had put grads in the courtyards. Oh, this was the point of him saying that they came across an individual who was in these Russian controlled areas who's walking around going, glory to Ukraine. Yelling and yelling all these things and basically saying, no, there's no troops there. It's all perfectly fine. Except what he's saying is they had already put grads in the courtyards. Oh, you mean like those Soviet era grads that are launching? Yeah, exactly what we're talking about. They also had put tanks just right in the courtyards there and got into the factories. He said, Ukrainians? He said, yes. 
Ukrainians or Azov. I don't remember. We didn't understand much there. It's better not to delve into it there. The point is that that's the opposite. So who's that guy and why is he lying about it? You know what's going to happen is the BBC and everyone else is going to go to that person and report. He said there's nothing happening there. It's completely safe and they're lying about it. Did they even check to find out? Did they talk to this guy too? Nope. Now, I'm not, see, the difference is I'm not telling you that's the truth. I'm saying this is a counter opinion, an alternate opinion, another side of the story. It's up to you to decide what you think is real and do your own due diligence instead of just blindly listening to one side. I think that was the gist of it. They were monitoring from a drone, shells landing here. Watch these for yourself, guys. There's a lot of stuff in here. Finally, woman t- found tortured in school basement. Military base in Mariupol. School basement. School number 25 here in Mariupol. And we see that this basement was used as a base for Ukrainian forces. Uh, and we found a civilian woman was... I forgot about that. I don't want to show you the, the, the bad stuff. So they found a civilian left tortured in the building. after In the controlled territory of the Ukraine military. I mean, this is March 27th. Do you realize we're talking about the Donbass region? We're talking about way, they are continuing to just arbitrarily, see, we're talking about arbitrarily hurting people. They are just bombing into the center of the civilian area in Donetsk. There's no, this is undeniable at this point. There are clearly bombs flying in this area. Why isn't the, why aren't the media then saying, look at Russia bombing Donetsk? Why aren't they saying that? They tried to in weird sideways in the beginning saying, well, they bombed in this school right here. And I was like, wait a minute, that's in, that's in Donetsk. That doesn't make sense. And that's when I proved it was a false flag. The point is here right now, if they're actually being, if they're wanting to point this stuff out, who's bombing Donetsk? It's obvious. There's obvious evidence. There's people dying. There's exploding buildings, but nobody's even talking about it. Why? Because it's exactly what the UN was pointing out in this document. They are continuing to bomb and attack and tain and torture the people in this area like they have for eight years. Just like they were telling you like 30 seconds ago. But the narrative shifted. Now we can't talk about it. See how that goes? Well, we already shown you a lot of these guys. This is this, this has been censored by Twitter. And I've already shown you all these videos. These are all the people from Mariupol and all the other areas that are speaking on the record from different outlets and different places. Some RT, some other Western outlets, some from Patrick, some all, just all around the world. People I don't recognize, different locations in the world, different film, all of them saying the same thing. This is a resident explaining how the Azov Battalion positioned artillery in civilian areas. This is one telling you how they held people as hostage. Here's one telling you on and on and on and on. And of course, they censor them all. But here are some of them I was able to find. Just remember, these are kind of being circulated again in some of the independents and quasi-independents out there. And I figured we'd play them again for you. We played these weeks ago. This person says, we hate Ukraine. Thank you very much to the Russian army. Refugees from Mariupol tell how the Ukrainian army refused to open humanitarian corridors. And shot at them as they fled. How did he manage to leave? The Russian army helped them. Says they hate Ukraine. Didn't the Ukrainian army help you? It says no, they were shooting at us. Shooting at people. I already showed you this. And it was much better quality. I wish I had that one. Oh, here, this one looks better. But here is somebody making some interesting points after they play this video, which this one looks better. There it is. So, which is interesting, by the way. So that seems to suggest, I don't know why people do this. Like, people want to be the originator of these things, so they get all the clicks. Clearly, this was downloaded and re-uploaded instead of just sharing this person's clip, (laughs) right? 
funny how that works. Just come on, guys. Let's not all be, you know, desperate to make me the first one. But it says, why did Mariupol residential buildings have to end up like this? Right? This is residential areas in Mariupol. They're claiming that it was the Russian government, but it in no way makes any sense at all unless you want to argue that Russia is doing it to blame it on Ukraine, which I would argue would make sense. But if you're going to make that argument, you damn well better have proof for it. Mainstream media narrative is Russians bomb residential areas and hospitals. Of course they say that. And guess what? They don't have proof of that. If all they have is Ukraine said, if both sides were disciplined, regular armies, they wouldn't have a combat in residential areas in the first place. Because that's not what's happening, guys. That's not what's happening. Russia, you can see very clearly, is not doing what they say they're doing, at least on the surface level of how they're engaging. Then you have to ask whether there's any kind of benefit or why it strategically makes sense to do the one thing they know is going to give the media and the U.S. government all the talking points they need. However, one of the two sides did something strange in a residential apartment in Mariupol. Two or three weeks ago, see that? Walking away, quietly crawling away and getting out of the view. Guess what they did? It's unmanned RPG on the rooftop. Why would they do it? To protect civilians? No. Rather, in this person's opinion, I agree, to provoke the enemy to attack residential buildings. Look, this is a residential building in Mariupol. Now, whether you think it's to trick them into bombing it or that they're just using civilian buildings to fight from, that is what you're looking at, guys. That's the Azov Battalion using a civilian location with a rocket launcher on the roof and then just leaving it there and quietly walking away. There's no way to misunderstand that. They're using civilian locations as military installations. That's what Russia's been telling you, and that's what continues to be shown. And that's why, in one case, or in some cases, civilian locations may be targeted. Whose fault is that? That's called human shields. Here is an allegedly Ukrainian army's urban combat scheme. It seems like captured items of Ukrainian battalions provided by the Russian side, so you should question it. We need more proof it's authentic. Nevertheless, it lets us imagine how residential buildings could be exploited by evil minds. Look at that. And here's the video of these very people telling you that they were shot at by the very military claiming to protect them. Here's another person, and we've shown you all these already. Interviews with Ukrainian refugees evacuating to Russia-controlled territories. Yeah, this one's not in... You can watch this for yourself. This isn't in English, but it's just sad. These are people that are being safe. They're safe now in Russian-controlled territories. They flee from Ukraine. Here is multiple people from Mariupol. This one we did replayed already. Said that the Azov Nazis held civilians as human shields in, a, in the local theater. Oh, you mean that theater that they just bombed and claimed that Russia did? Exactly our point, guys. When the Russian advance forced them to retreat, they blew up the theater to frame Russian forces. This plan was published three days in advance by the Azov deserter. Now, this is exactly what we were just telling you guys. That's what this is. Ukrainian authorities said, and they just towed the line. Think about how embarrassing that is. Right there. Here's another one. This is, of course, released by TASS, which you should question like anything else, showing you the humanitarian corridor out of Mariupol while intense street fighting happens in the city. DPR forces were able to push Azov back into the industrial areas, meaning their blockades and checkpoints stopping civilians leaving could be smashed. Now here is Mariupol and the theater 
as a shelter March 11th. Now, the point is, guys, these people are in this theater, as we've already made clear, no electricity. They're using candles. They're using their flashlights and stuff. They don't have electricity. They don't have water. They don't have toilets. They don't have any of this stuff. But this is the Ukrainian military keeping them safe. They weren't allowed to leave. This is what it's like. Now, you can watch this for yourself, guys. I mean, the point is, oh, here, I think I had to, hold on. Change this to English. Yeah, see, it says, sometimes the military supplies us with water. Water was brought today. Sometimes they provide us with water. God, I mean, this is incredible. Now, I, 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 I'm, I, keep, I'm real, I keep forgetting that I'm going to wrap this up. But guys, there is an endless amount of this information out there. Ask yourselves why they can't seem to find it or why they're ignoring it. Azov Battalion in Mariupol kills civilians and do not allow them to flee the city. That's what it looks like to be saved by the Ukrainian military, right? As you're trying to flee to the Russian protected territory. That's what happens. And this is being backed up by lots of people, guys. Here's Ukrainian neo-Nazis in Mariupol telling a girl about the cancellation of evacuation. Now, we already showed you this one, saying, thank you for not being shot. This is the Azov Battalion hiding behind civilians. However you want to frame this, they're not letting these people leave. Over and over and over and over. It's only so much you can disregard. Now, this person, as I pointed out, lives in Ukraine. You've seen, probably seen this guy, Gonzalo, lives in Ukraine. Yet he was kicked out of Twitter spaces for telling them what he's actually seeing on the ground. Think about that. What a shock, right? He says, I absolutely love going into Twitter spaces about Ukraine, telling people how things are actually going. So what he's seeing on the ground and then getting kicked out. That's, that's reality on the ground versus narrative. And they only want to run with narrative. They never want to hear the truth, only pleasing lies. That's the difference between a child and an adult. Now, you could argue that he's wrong. But it, it, think about how interesting it is. How can they even know that he is wrong? Are they fact-checking his actual, what he's perceiving on the ground? No. They just know because he says this, we're not supposed to allow that. So censor. That's where we are. There's no misunderstanding that. Now, by the way, here's even on YouTube, Americans on the ground fighting alongside. Or here's the point is, this is how, I, this is an interesting thought, guys. They're, they're tr this is a way that I have kind of sidestepped even like the Basically, there's Americans, obviously, on the ground. There has been long before this started. 2015 forward, they've admitted CIA military operations. My point, though, is that they act like this is just a bunch of American, you know, veterans over there fighting for what they believe in. How much you want to bet this is American deployed military inside of these supposed volunteer regimes? 
or the battalions, right? We're going to send over 10,000 military to volunteer for your militia, right? How do, and then how, would we ever know? They'd look like this and they'd just say they're old. They're volunteer Americans. Or is that American people that are being deployed by the military or contractors or however else you want to manipulate the situation, right? Watch yourself. Got burning buildings. We got mortars. We got rockets. We got all the fun stuff to make it a beautiful day. All the fun stuff to make it a beautiful day as you're subjugating a population under a guise of fighting for freedom. Good times. Right. You're using weapons on civilian locations. I mean, you're talking about, by the way, we're talking about Americans on the ground fighting alongside open neo-Nazi groups. Period. Why that's okay? I don't know. But recognize the point is Americans on the ground. U.S. troops on the ground. That's been there from the beginning. And here's Gonzalo pointing out. And there you go. The famed James Vasquez, who you've heard about, is all of a sudden being used as a poster boy for the fun and exciting Ukrainian war. James Vasquez is a PSYOP, ex-military intelligence, private contractor in Iraq and Afghanistan, now contracted out to Ukraine's SBU. Oh, you mean the special services that's completely overrun by the Azov Battalion? Yes, exactly. And that's all at the behest of the U.S. government. Right. So exactly our point. This is a person being framed as a volunteer who, in fact, is very obviously a contractor for private intel. Come on. This is not hard to see if you're just willing to look past what they're telling you. You are being deceived at every single level. Here's the Peace Corps. The U.S. Peace Corps telling you why you shouldn't go to Ukraine if you're a person of color. Possible considerations for African-American or black volunteers. Okay, this is current, by the way. This is not, this is right now. As they're, and this is what, the, I mean, think about what this says. This is what, this is coming directly from people on the ground. Volunteer voices. It says, it's not uncommon for Ukrainians to refer to African-Americans as the N-word. Volunteers of color may be called a monkey or see grandchildren's games with blackface. Being aware of the history of the dehumanization for people of African descent may help inform where this comes from. It does not justify it. It will be at your discretion to determine the intent. No matter the intent, staff recognizes the impact that hearing that word may invoke hurt or anger. If you view it as unlearned, something a person has never been exposed to, it may be an opportunity for you to educate that person. So they're just, again, they're just too dumb to know that that's racist, right? <laughs> Come on. There's no one in the world that know, that thinks that's just, oh, oops, I just, especially not adults living in the 21st century. We are here to support your successful service, and these comments and images can be a huge distraction and obstacle for you. Know that Peace Corps staff is here to support and encourage you. Do not hesitate to remove yourself from such situations. You're not expected to be subject to such treatment. The bottom line is you're basically going, here is an openly an openly racist country, a government rather, that's been influenced the people for a decade. And that's right now. So we're desperately trying to hide the fact there are neo-Nazi groups that are core to the government. But this is what we're saying is a not a commonplace reality, but that's fake news over there. Come on, guys. This is so stupidly obvious. This is what they are. And I'm not talking about the Ukrainian people. I'm talking about the government that's been put in place and funded for almost a decade that has brought this, this element into the country. And that's why people like Crimea and people like the Donbass region and plenty of others fleeing this area are running into places like Russia. Now, down here, it also talks about the LGBTQ. And we already made this point. At the same time, I'm leery of saying blend into the culture because I don't know that many PCVs, people on the ground, blend into that culture, maybe a typical American. It says some gender nonconforming volunteers 
on transgender spectrum or transgender volunteers who are early in their journey may face similar issues to gay and lesbian volunteers as well. Basically, you're going to be attacked if you go into Ukraine. But so, but just do it in a special, don't say who you are. Doesn't that offend the hell out of those people? Yes, it does. But only in the context of Ukraine. And we won't make that clear as we support them on the world stage. I mean, just think about how broken that is in in everything else they're doing. That's right now. They're warning you. You go there, you're going to get attacked. Then let's not miss the fact that the U.S. is already saying it's going to accept 100,000, quote, Ukrainian refugees. Now, think about how funny it is that they're all so willing to say, oh, in Syria or Mexico, it's all a bunch of middle-aged male, male, middle-aged individuals. It's not really refugees. They're secretly coming into the country. Where's that conversation? Are we not equally worried that it's going to be the same? Well, because this is probably the actual time this is happening, right? There, my opinion, guys, these are it, this is what people are concerned about. Not to say that there's not plenty of refugees that are probably just fleeing over here. The point is that why wouldn't we recognize an opportunity for the CIA, for these other groups to bring these people over here that then very clearly become the white supremacist threat that they say that they were pointing at? But in reality, it's groups that are built by the CIA and basically funneled over into your country. I don't know why this wouldn't alarm everybody. As we're openly talking about a government that is espousing white nationalist or or rather specific. I shouldn't even use that term because that's not what these people are in the context of what they're representing. Neo-Nazis, better radical extremists being funded by the U.S. government. And bringing them over in some part to the U.S. and everywhere else. That's crazy. And it's just very transparent when they don't hold the same conversation the way they would anywhere else. Maybe because they don't have the same skin color. Isn't that racist in and of itself? Yeah, nah, you're a fake news conspiracy theorist and you're racist, Ryan, (laughs) right? That makes sense, doesn't it? Well, make sure we understand how absolutely deranged the Western press is and has always been. Here's Mr. CIA Sean Hannity wearing a CIA pin right on his lapel, which I don't know why you would think that's American or why that's somehow patriotic. You're literally supporting the group that doesn't care about you either, who would literally sell you out in a heartbeat if they could just sell a few more drugs or traffic a few more, a couple more people or overthrow a few more countries, right? Just if you support them, Hannity, because you're a good American, right? Look at what it says right there. He is blindly reporting on exactly what we just showed you, the Mariupol area. That there's no evidence was in fact actually carried out by Russia other than guess who? The Azov Battalion telling you that. Mr. Mr. Hannity, either too stupid to realize that he's openly parroting open neo-Nazi groups or doesn't care. You choose. Neighborhoods, almost the entire entire city of Mariupol, but look at your screen. Early this morning, a port city occupied by Russia in southern Ukraine was rocked by explosions. Now, in a major blow to Putin's navy, one Russian warship was obliterated. Look at that. And other two, uh, the other two were visibly damaged. Now, this was during a Ukrainian strike. Now, the- Isn't it funny that we just talked about Ukraine strikes on, on Ukraine territory? Why? Because, well, Russia controls them now. What about the civilians there? What about the people? What about the infrastructure? What about everything else that you freak out about every time Russia does anything militarily in the context of a war? But in reverse, look at how great that was. They destroyed things. Yay! You guys are children. Like, I just can't get past how stupid this coverage is. Not even to say that they're necessarily all fake, but just the way that they so dishonestly frame these things makes my teeth hurt. 
Like I can't, I just want to punch the wall every time I watch them. And it's frustrating. My point is guys, he's blindly taking at face value what the Azov battalion tells him. Maybe that's because of his CIA pen. Who ultimately knows? Seeing as how the CIA is openly funding now, or now openly because of our work, that very group. If you listen to, and of course the title, Biden is delusional, (laughs) which by the way he is, but he would never say that about the other side because these people are childish. But don't forget though, here's the UK, but it's coming from everywhere seemingly on the West. The UK government is sending 6,000 more missiles to the very group that we just pointed at. It previously said it was highly likely the neo-Nazi Azov regiment had access to UK anti-tank weapons. Right. So, but we're not going to mention that now though, right? Quiet. We can't say that now, even though you said that like 30 seconds ago. Why? Because the propaganda momentum is past that. We already jumped over that discussion. We don't even talk about it anymore. Well, we do. We talk about it every day because it's important because of what they really are. Guess what? They are aware of that, or at least to some degree. You know why? Because the Azov Battalion just blocked me. (laughs) At least one of their primary accounts. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? Somebody knows about what we're talking about, huh? Well, check this out. Here is, oh, uh, well, this was the, or right here. So here is their account. This is one of the primary accounts. I had to look at it like this because if you look at it on a, on a private browser, you don't get to see the translation, but here's their official site. This is one of their, the, the accounts of the Azov Battalion. Here's what it said. And I'll, I had to do this like this so you could see it. Okay, here's the tweets that I was, po- that I was showing, first of all. And this is what they said. It says, our YouTube channel, Azov Media, which has existed since the founding of the Azov Battalion, has been blocked. Really? So we're defending this group everywhere in Western Press. Everywhere. These are not what you think they are. You guys are lying. You're conspiracy theorists. And then YouTube quietly blocks their channel, though. (laughs) Right. Maybe because these people are horrifically disgusting. And what they're saying, even when they're trying not to, is bleeding through. Sort of like when they, I keep showing you, posted that they were dipping their bullets in pig fat because they were fighting Muslims because that's what good people do. Right. This, this is, this was their, their account. This is the national guard of Ukraine saying that we want to put dick. We're going to dip these bullets in pig fat so they don't go to heaven. That's what you're supporting. The point is YouTube deleted their account while they're kind of supporting them and Facebook's allowing you to support them openly because there's not the, what you think they are. Even YouTube is blocking their channel. Oh, and then it says, uh, and this act of censorship coincided with the publication of videos and news from the besieged city of Mariupol. Right. How much you want to bet? Many of them were probably easy to debunk and show that they were lying. So they're trying to do their own cover up. These are my guesses. But either way, here's another, the next one. It says, while, while the account could not be restored, subscribe to our pages to stay up to date. And they give you the other ones. Their Twitter account, right? These are all the same groups we're talking about. Azov recruitment page. Finally, it says, our newly created Instagram page was also censored. So even Instagram is censoring them. Right. So Facebook is allowing you to praise this group weirdly in some kind of non-military way. I don't even know what that means when they're in a military engagement, but... Then they quietly censor through Instagram, which is owned by Facebook, the same group. Is that making sense to anybody? 
but it's been restored several times apparently, but it's currently out of order. Then just one comment that I think is really telling. This person falls up beneath it and says, I hope that Kiev will come to support the troops, resume supplies. Heroic soldiers will kill Russian Nazi invaders. Yes, that's the whole point. Now, the Russians are the Nazi invaders? What's happening here? How did that even possibly make? Because that's from their angle, from the Azov Battalion and their local area. They're yelling this propaganda because that's the point, guys. Don't miss the reality that they're just still only quietly soft-pedaling that Russia is the real Nazi and they're the real tie with the Azov Battalion. However, they're going to make this work. But the Azov Battalion is yelling it from the rooftops. Russia is the real Nazis. And their people are going, yeah, Russian Nazis, because that's the whole point. She's just good. This is so clumsy and never been more obvious. But my point was in showing you all of this is that they just blocked us. It just, I can't get past how ridiculous that is. Oh, I think I had it right there. No, right here. You're blocked. So, my point the reason they did that is because I followed up to their tweet where they were going, Heroes, yay, heroes, the Azov Battalion. And I said, Heroes? And I showed the clip. It's right there. Like, either you're okay with them doing something that disgusting, which makes you disgusting, or you don't know about that. So I'm just going, hero? They don't look like heroes to me. Blocked. All right, here's another one where they, I said to that very group, that's why they blocked me, I imagine, that they're protecting Russian civilians on their Twitter account. And I said, so you're protecting Russian civilians, but you're doing this? Those are Russians, right? It doesn't make sense at all because they're lying to you guys and it's never been more clear. And so they rush out and block me. So I can't, so they, I guess, think I can't, won't follow them anymore, but I will. And I'll tell you what they're saying. Just think about what that shows you though. They are aware of me. They are aware of people like me who are pointing out what they really are. It's pretty clear. Now, a couple last points on the U.S. Biolab discussion, which I'm going to finish more on another day. This is from 2020. U.S. Embassy of Kiev. This is their own medium account, which is strange to me. I didn't know. It's apparently, their propaganda has gone at every possible level. They're on Reddit. They're on Medium. They're on BitChute. As they frame BitChute as an, a disgusting platform, yet they have an openly, they have a White House account. You know, it's stupid. But U.S. Defense Threat Reduction Office partners with Ukrainian government to keep our nation safe. Right. This was when they're pretending we're defense threat reduction even though, as I've shown you many times, that's really not even remotely what they were doing. And this is just the one I keep showing, but there's, I have plenty of them. This is the Kharkiv Laboratory, which shows you the Department of Defense was the donor, which means they funded the whole thing. They sent the money, which says right there, they have the permit to work with pathogens. So working with pathogens is not the same thing as protecting them. Right? That's not what happened here. They were openly working and toying and tinkering with these things. It's all on the record. So you either have a lab where you're playing with these things, and that's not the same thing as threat reduction, and at least how they frame it in the Western press. When you start working on vaccines, you're no longer on threat reduction. You are working on bioweapons. There's some people that would take issue with that, but that's what's called dual use. Now, those people out there right now going, yeah, fake news, uh, vaccines, and that's all they're doing. Well, guess what they say in this article? Joanna Wintroll, the head of U.S. Embassy Kiev's Defense Threat Reduction Office, says, as one example, she's working with Ukraine for the past five years. She says, one example, my team has arranged hands-on training for the National Police, as a battalion, Security Service of Ukraine, 
Azad Battalion, or I'm saying this so you guys connect the reference. It's more than just the Azad Battalion, but that's the clear point of reference. But the, you know, neo-Nazi groups, Svoboda, Right Sector, specifically National Police and SBU are Azad Battalion, but and State Border Guard Services. So here is a U.S. member, the member of U.S. government training hands-on training for the Aza Battalion, how to work with these things. And here's what she says, to strengthen our cooperation on the topic of dual-use items. You won't hear that today. You know why? Because that insinuates or that states by without question that these things in the wrong hands are weapons, are dangerous. Guys, this is being stated by the U.S. Embassy in Kiev. Oops. These are items that have a legitimate purpose, they say, but if they fall into the wrong hands of a bad actor, you mean like the Aza Battalion, they could be used to create a dangerous weapon. Well, that's also why people like Newland came and said, we're worried about Russia. You can't play this both ways. These are either things that could be used as dangerous bad weapons, or it's just a threat reduction plan. The truth is, it's always both. That's the way they hide behind the reality. They're dual use. So if they can be why wouldn't we think that anybody could use them that way? Out of the question, because they're good people fighting for Nazi ideals, right? It's pretty damn clear. So when you recognize that, when you recognize that they have the ability to use these things as weapons the same way, that's how all of these things operate, and that's the point about why there's a connection here. And all of I mean, it's not even just the white supremacist threat. Remember, we're talking about the vanilla ISIS concept, the biological attack, the many different ways they frame this. And we point here, this goes all the way back from before and the 2014 revolution. Regime change. Hunter Biden's investment fund connected to financing of Pentagon-funded biolabs in Ukraine. Now, I'll come back to this in the future, but please read these for yourselves. The bottom line is there's an obvious overlap to what they're trying to cover up. Now, I'm going to read this one at a later date as well. This one just has a lot of information about Azov, like right up until 2021, August, like right before this, having clashes with the government, the funding of the Kharkiv. But the one thing I want to show you, actually, is it's making sure we understand that the Azov members following the operation in Kharkiv, several Azov members were arrested. Anonymous video was I didn't see this one. I thought I read through. I think I read all this. Huh, that's weird. Well, the other one, the point was they clamped down on Azov's racketeering business in Kharkiv. And they make clear in this discussion that Kharkiv and the Azov Battalion specifically is a focal point. Let's not forget that there is a huge, that's the lab we're talking about, guys. This is a gigantic, dangerous lab working on dangerous things. And the Azov Battalion has a central hub in Kharkiv and specifically in this location. I mean, I just find this to be very, very alarming as we talk about the larger point. And also just continue to point out that they're very conducting illegal practices. Yeah, I'll come back to this. There's more, there's a lot of here I wanted to review, but it's very interesting. Finally, to finish with Gumby, Gumby for Christ, Russia has identified Joanna Wintroll, who is the person we're pointing at in regard to this embassy of Kiev discussion. Joanna Wintroll, that's actually where I got this link from. It says, as the Pentagon liaison posted to the U.S. Embassy in Ukraine overseeing the Pentagon's biodefense operations in the country. Says she, the MOD also revealed that she was at the uh, has been serving as one of the program's curators. Here she is right there. Oh, that's weird. Oh, that's, that's so funny. This tweet's linked to state media. Like they never do that for U.S. 
all state media. Wintrell's involvement is, corro- is corroborated by an interview posted to the U.S. Embassy's Medium page, which we just pointed at, in which she denies the labs are U.S. run, but does acknowledge quite close collaboration. Again, it's obvious that they are obviously funded and controlled by the U.S. government. And this is just one of many documents to make that clear. Then it goes on to say, of particular note, Wintrell says her DTRA team, that's the, the threat reduction team, trained, guess who, guys? The National Police Security Service of Ukraine, the ones we just pointed at. So again, it's the same point we just made, but she is training the groups that are directly tied to the Oz Battalion in regard to use of these labs. Are you really going to pretend like that wouldn't be concerning for the Russian government? On specifically dual-use items, i.e. pathogens with purportedly legitimate purpose that can be used for bioweapons. Prior to her stint in Ukraine, she was in NATO-ravaged Libya where she secretly built a facility to destroy the recently murdered Gaddafi's chemical weapons stockpile, or, you know, siphon it off somewhere else. This program was known only to the U.S., OPCW, and NATO-installed Libyan government. This chemical weapons destruction operation is curious. WAPO reported in 2016 that it was a rush job initiated when ISIS was encroaching on the area, where 500 metric tons of chemical weapons uh, precursors were stored but don't mention the chemical weapons elimination facility having been built. In fact, WAPO reports the chemical weapons precursors were loaded up on ships and transported to Germany for destruction. There was supposedly a great fear that if non-weaponized precursors fell into the wrong hands, they could create weapons. The OPCW corroborates WAPO's reporting, stating that the chemicals were shipped to Germany and then destroyed. The OBCW doesn't mention which role, the threat reduction facility, or any locally built elimination facility. Strange. If chemical weapon precursors were shipped to Germany, how did they get there? Waden, a desert oasis town, of course, has no port. The nearest ports in Libya are located in uh, Mistra and Benghazi. If chemical weapons precursors were, in fact, traveling through Benghazi, that's pretty interesting, given Seymour Hersh's 2014 report that the U.S. consulate in Benghazi was used as a rat line to ferry chemical weapon precursors to the Syrian rebels in southern Turkey. There's just no way to miss how this has all been connected, and we are staring at the new Syria. I should just start bringing this up every damn day at this point because I can't get past how obviously important and I think one of the most important articles she's written in a long time and every one of her articles are important. Ukraine and the new Al-Qaeda. That is what's happening right now, guys. We need to see this. Finally, I'll leave you with a documentary. I won't play it, but from uh, Delanya. God, I, I, I don't want to ever pronounce, try to pronounce her last name because I always ruin it, but she's doing such great work. Taylor Hudak is finishing up her final touches on the interview, which probably come out tomorrow with her, with Delanya, and it's going to be important. So please check out this information, guys. Very important. I think that was it. Make sure I'm not missing any. Oh, I did. Jiminy Christmas. How did I miss all that? Hold on. Let me rattle through this real quick. <laughs> oh, that's right. Got that. Okay, so finishing off. I guess <laughs> surprise. I didn't, I, I thought I had all that closed off. Now, Richard Medhurst plays something I wanted to play here. Where are we at? Whatever. We're past three hours. Let's just finish it. This he, he writes this, and this is so important to think about. This is in the context of Madeline Albright. He said, if a guy, if this guy did, if he says what he's, what you're about to hear today, he'd be called a Russian asset and he'd be dragged out by security. This is a substitute teacher in 1998 
confronting Madeline Albright. Now, just think about what he's saying. All of it's true and how it is relevant to where we are right now. And today, those things are supposed to be not true. But it's easy to prove. It's just all about narrative. I think I downloaded this a minute ago. Let me find it real quick. Here we go. You have to say about dictators of countries like Indonesia, who we sell weapons to, yet they are slaughtering people in East Timor. What do you have to say about Israel, who is slaughtering Palestinians, who impose martial law? What do you have to say about that? Those are our allies. Why do we sell weapons to these countries? Why do we support them? Why do we bomb Iraq when it commits similar problems? Quite a bit of different momentum right now, isn't it? Seriously, Richard's right. If that if this guy if that guy stood up and said that in any other political context, where let's say Hillary Clinton was saying the same things, he would be booed out of the room. He'd probably get arrested. We all know that right now. That that is no indication of the actual majority opinion. My opinion is just these con these conversations are so much more tightly controlled today. I would be I would be willing to bet that most people in these rooms today are put there because they can't allow things like this to happen anymore. This is people that are obviously in agreement, and I believe most people feel this way today. The, uh, there are various examples of things that are not right in this world, and the United States is trying... Boo. Boo. I uh, really am surprised that people feel that it is necessary to defend the rights of Saddam Hussein. Oh, is that what they're saying, Madeline? You horrible war criminal? Like, think about that sidestep. Did he even reference Saddam Hussein? He didn't say anything about the other than your that it's, it needs to be comparable. He's pointing at other countries and saying, why aren't we bombing them if you're doing the same to him? But she then frames it as trying to, that's called gaslighting. You're trying to manipulate the situation and make him look like the person supporting a terrorist. That's a classic move. But how about we want, how about we just go even further and go, he's a human being, isn't he? Well, then yes, he does have human rights. You horrible war criminal. But you see, she's trying to trick you into being okay in your mind with saying he doesn't deserve them anymore because of what we say he's done. That's how disgusting this person is. Was. When what we ought to be thinking about is how to make sure that he does not use weapons of mass destruction. Oh, you mean the weapons that you guys gave him to fight against Iran? Yeah, well, I guess we don't like to talk about that, though. All of it, we should all know this by now, guys. This is undeniable facts. Are undeniable facts. They gave them these weapons and then tried to use that same argument of why they were happening in, in Iraq. Weapons of mass destruction, right? Oh, where are they? We never found any. I'd like to, who are I'd like shouting, to make just a moment. I'm not defending them in the least. What I am saying is that there needs to be consistent application of exactly. U.S. foreign policy. We cannot support people who are committing the same violations because they are political allies. Yep, like Saudi Arabia, like UAE, like Israel, like anyone you want to point at right now, like the U.K., like France, like the same thing, like the U.S. itself. That's not consistent foreign policy. That's overtly hypocritical and, in fact, criminal. And this person was right all the way back then. That is not acceptable. We cannot via violate U.N. resolutions when it is convenient to us. Like, we, like this country does, this government does every single day. Every day, treaties and agreements, whether the NATO discussion or whether we're talking about Golan Heights or whether we're talking about anything else, they regularly violate U.N. 
international law, their own rules, their own laws. I mean, everything, guys. It's nothing is sacred to these people. And the moment that you go afoul of what they're trying to achieve, well, there's a thousand different things they can lay at your feet. We You're not, not answering my question, answer. Madam Albright. Uh, yep. Quite a bit different, isn't it? Now, here is Delania pointing out that Ukraine has been actively preparing for a major war for the last three years and massively purchased weapons and ammunition. Peace has never been considered an option. Documents about Ukraine arms deals reveal. Read it for yourself. You know why this is not hard to imagine? Because the U.S. government has been bleeding about them about to be about to be invaded for eight years. They have been claiming he's about to invade for eight years. Those that don't know that have only been paying attention when the media told them to start paying attention. Sort of like how Israel has maintained Iran is moments away from a nuclear bomb for decades. As the IAEA continues to say that's not true. But people that want to go along politically say, you're too stupid, Ryan. He tells you I was the evidence every day. No, no, he doesn't. He comes up and yells things at you. And then you guys call that evidence. Even though it gets roundly shown to be false, just like what's happening in Ukraine. Isn't that funny? Interesting connections to what Israel is doing around the world, along with the U.S. government. Here's NATO, though. Totally not completely showing you that what Russia is telling you is exactly true. We face a new reality for our security due to Russia's illegal invasion of Ukraine. Right, so not, not the first invasion from the U.S. government in Ukraine. That one doesn't matter. We don't care about that one. But then when Russia gets forced to push into Ukraine because of all the things we just showed you, because of neo-Nazis literally cre- driving to create to have control over nuclear power, driving pushing up along the border, creating actual mass ethnic cleansing in Donbass, all these things we keep showing you. Or the fact that they're literally about to use NATO, or rather fold in a neo-Nazi government into NATO on the border of Russia. None of that matters, though, right? Well, they face a new security threat because of what Russia is doing in Ukraine. I don't even know why that makes sense, especially if Ukraine is not a NATO ally, right? Because this has always been the narrative. So the point is, in response to what we drove into reality, NATO has now reinforced its defensive presence. Defensive. Explain to me how any of this is defensive. In the eastern part of the alliance with more troops and planes, look at what they're showing you. This is the military buildup of NATO allies encircling Russia, and Russia's the one attacking. Now, yes, in the context of what you're dealing with in Ukraine, if you've only just woken up today, is an invasion. But there's so much more around this discussion. And I know I'm not even, I'm in no way do I support any war anywhere. I just don't. I'm, I've always been the person that thinks the violence begets violence and there are paths forward. But there's always a rational excuse, in my opinion, for violent acts. And it can't, if you're being attacked, like my point is in a, in a personal context, if you walk up and you strike my family, I have a right to defend myself right? Of course, no matter what you believe, you have a right to defend yourself or a right to take action if there's certain actions taken. I mean, this is just a regular understanding. You can extrapolate that out to countries too. Now, in no way am I saying I agree with what's continuing to happen. My point is simply that you can very clearly look at this and know that this isn't just today. This has been happening for eight years. Same thing with the bases encircling Russia. Is it their fault they're encircling Russia? Kremlin officials say the West has declared total war on Russia. Now, if you can't acknowledge that's the reality, then you're just not paying attention. They have openly, this is declaring a war, basically by saying they have attacked us, so we're declaring war. Right? It's pretty clear. Because yes, there is a war going on. 
But you can see the sanctions. You can see the attacks on anything Russian anywhere in the world. You can see the censorship. You can see the cyber attacks. You can see the every the sanctions. The, this is an open war on Russia. If you're too childish to admit that, even if you think Russia bad guy, that's on you. It's obvious this has been driven to reality. And here we are with the Selective Service, basically kind of just insinuating the draft is going to come back. Because that's not terrifying at all, is it? In the event of a draft, I don't even know why anybody in this country thinks that's even logical anymore. You know what it means? It means that nobody wants to fight for them. And so they have to force you to fight for them. Because that's what democracies do, right? In the event of a draft, our agency would partner with FEMA to provide opportunities to conscientious objectors to ensure our nation keeps moving forward. Right. The ability, to, are we really going to pretend like they're going to allow you to not do what they want you to do? Yeah, just like they allowed you to have a, a moral, religious, medical exemption from their disgusting injection? Right. That's the same thing. Let's pretend like they're going to allow you to have that there. It's going to be the same deal. They're going to say, nope, we deny your religious exemption. We deny your conscience because we don't believe you. Why would it be any different? And here's Whitney pointing out. Biden's telling you right now that you are going to deal with food shortages. Why? Because of what they've created. Whether it's artificial or not, they're telling you it's going to happen. It's like they're telling you there's going to be chemical attacks. It's like they're telling you there's going to be cyber attacks because that's probably what they're going to create. Nothing more to report. With regard to food shortage, yes, we did talk about food shortages. And, uh, and it's going to be real. The price of these sanctions is not just imposed upon Russia. It's imposed upon an awful lot of countries as well, including European countries and our country as well. Okay, so for the first time in the history of this discussion, he has openly just told you that you, as an American, are being sanctioned. How long have I been telling you that? That you are being sanctioned? You are right now openly being sanctioned. That's what's happening. You are being, you are suffering because of what they claim they're doing at Russia. That's the same thing. Do you think that the Russian government actively suffers because of these sanctions? Most usually not. It is the people on the ground. The whole objective is to make them restless, to make them push back against the government and drive action in that regard. This is on the record in their past documentation. They want to make the people scream. This is, that's a quote. The point is, guys, this is how it works. So here, he's telling you, you are going to suffer because of what we say we're doing against Russia. And you know what that's going to lead to? The American people suffering, blaming Russia, and them using that politically. If you're, if you're stupid enough to point at Russia when they do this to you, then you're lost. Same with everything else they've created. And guess what they're going to use that to justify? You know, recreating things for the future because this system just doesn't work, right? I don't know, maybe the Great Reset? Ah, what a perfect example. Well, as Whitney points out, Will Biden pull a Madeleine Albright and say that it's worth it when Americans start to die? One in nine Americans already struggle with hunger. Starve your own people to show Putin. Foreign policy courtesy of our ice cream, ice cream brain president. Crazy. Now, finally, I'm just going to leave these for you to check out for yourselves. Ezra Levant from, from uh, The Rebel points this out. Randy Hiller, an elected member of the Ontario legislature. I actually can't believe this just happened. Like, this is such a far reach. Trudeau's police are jailing him right now for supporting the truckers. Canada is no longer a free country. We're only partly free. Hiller is a political prisoner. But because he opposes lockdowns, the media will cheer his arrest. But it's totally okay for the political prisoners in this country. We'll just pretend that's not what's happening. 
right? But they arrest a terrorist, know the country, and they call that a political prisoner, right? Same thing. Same like anywhere else in the world. But, you know, you could say that's maybe, you could flip it around. Say that this guy's a terrorist for supporting the, the white supremacist radical trucker convoy. And that guy over there that's being arrested in Iran is not a terrorist, but he's a, you know, not whatever country you're pointing at. When well, this case would be Ukraine, is not. He's the freedom fighter that the evil Russians have imprisoned. You know, it's, it's, it's always perception. The bottom line is this is a this is a member of the legislature. He didn't break the law. He supported an entity that they then retroactively made a crime and then arrested him for it. Frontenac M- MPP Randy Hiller tells the Toronto Sun he's been asked to surrender to the Ottawa police, charged with serious criminal offenses. 64-year-old individual. Matt, and, oh, let me do this one first. Here he is, surrendering himself. The actions, whether they're the mask mandates, the social distancing, the closures of businesses, those were always just determined by the public health. Sorry, he's a little low. He just basically said all of it, all the mask mandates, everything was determined by the government. But it says Ontario, Randy Hiller, uh, MPP, surrendered to Ottawa police this morning, says he's expected to face nine counts of charges related to the protests last month for supporting them, for supporting your country's right to free expression for the protest. Before this happened, this wasn't a crime. It's not a crime. Just because they say it is doesn't make it a crime. The point is that they retroactively made supporting this a crime, which is not a crime. And therefore, because he does something that moments ago was not illegal, now he's being arrested because they said so. This is what it looks like to live in authoritarian totalitarianism. That's what this is. You don't, there's no law. There's only what they say is law. And that changes every day based on what they say is the law. You are watching that happen right now. And it's unreal. Finally. He also points out, Canada needs wartime censorship of the internet, they say. Quote, my mandate as Can- Can- uh, Canadian- Canada minister is really to counter propaganda online. So they are censoring the internet because war. He said, imagine that. Wartime censorship in Canada, even though we're not in a war. So this is now con- con- crossed over. When they're still using COVID-19 as the justification, he's being arrested for COVID-19 stuff, but simultaneously using the war in Ukraine to justify wartime censorship of all the things talked COVID-19, Ukraine, whatever else. Are you, start, are you starting to see the bigger picture? That has nothing to do, that they are absolutely tying together? Because it's all being used in the same direction. We are watching some massive thing happen here, guys. And this is not just about COVID, not just about Ukraine. They're conducting something large. And it's alarming. And we are watching people be arrested in front of us. And people are so worked up with the propaganda, some of them, that they're allowing this to happen. If you do not agree with what's happening, it is time for you to stand up and make that known. Because this, in my opinion, is not supported by the majority of people. And the only way we're going to stop it is like we did with COVID is if you have the courage to stand up and speak out about it. The time is now. Thank you for being here today and continuing to fight because it's never been more important, guys. Back against the wall. It is time to stand up and put it down. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.